Hey, everybody. This episode of Joe Rogan Experience is brought to you by Ting. Uh, we have a winner for the Ting uh, podcast contest, and the winner is Holly Mac 23. And Holly Mac 23, she gets an iPhone 5, right? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. Um, assuming that Holly Mac is a girl. I don't even know if it's a girl. Whoever Holly Mac, let's let's find out. Let's do a little Google search on Holly Mac twenty three. Should I probably? She's going to get swarmed by assholes now. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. But they wanted you to announce it online. Well, Holly Mac twenty three got nineteen followers. Soon there will be more. <laughs> Is she hot? Um, listen, she's a nice person. That's what's important. Yeah, she's very pretty. But she's got a man in her picture, bud. So back off. Anyway, Holly Mac 23, you win the Ting contest. What is Ting? Ting is a no bullshit mobile service company that uses a Sprint backbone. What Ting does is they rent time on Sprint, but then give you cell phone service at a in a, in a very reasonable way with no contracts, no early termination fees, no add-on coverages. And you only pay for what you use. If you use very little, you pay very little. And if you use more, you don't have to pay some exorbitant rates that you, you know, some fines that you get when you go over your data coverage or over your text minutes or any of that nonsense that you get with other cell phone providers. And I think that what they're doing is probably most likely going to be the future for cell phone companies. I think the more companies like Ting come around and the more they provide you with excellent service without all the nonsense and bullshit and contracts and all the crap that everybody hates about cell phone coverage. All that stuff is out the window with Tang, and they have the latest and greatest Android devices. They have the uh, HTC One, which is a fantastic phone, and the Samsung Galaxy uh, S, well, the Galaxy Note 3, which is the one that I have. They have the Galaxy S4, the Galaxy S5 is coming out soon, the LG Flex. Point is, they have all the latest and greatest Android devices, and they have it in a way where you don't feel like you're getting ripped off. The whole point of the contest was to go to Ting and to find out how much money you would save by using Ting, and 98% of people would save money with Ting. That's pretty crazy. 98%. Those other 2%, I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but it's probably some weird shit. That's why they won't save, save any money. Anyway, go to rogan.ting.com and save yourself $25 off of any of the new devices. That's rogan.ting.com. We're also brought to you by onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Onnit is a human optimization website. What we sell is everything that we can find that can benefit you, whether it's strength and conditioning equipment, whether it's uh, health and nutrition supplements like Hemp Force protein powder made out of the finest Hemp Force, whether it's our new Warrior Bars, which are these fantastic new buffalo bars that are made in the ancient Native American way. They're made with no antibiotics, no added hormones, gluten-free, no nitrates. They're made with cranberries and buffalo meat. And it's really good for you. Really good for you. 14 grams of protein, 140 calories, 4 grams of fat, and all in a little 2-ounce serving. Really delicious stuff and one of the best snacks you could buy. A real guilt-free snack. Uh, and the kind of stuff that we're selling on it is just the kind of stuff that I use, whether it's these hemp force protein bars, whether it's this earth grown nutrient supplement that it's a food, superfood that we add 
to whether it's protein drinks or coconut water, just to give you, just make sure you cover your bases as far as nutrition goes. What we're trying to sell you at Onnit is all of the things that I use, all the things that my partner Aubrey uses, whether it's things like battle ropes or steel maces, ab wheels, just the best strength and conditioning equipment, the best supplements, the best nutritional foods and snacks that we can find. Go to onnit.com, that's O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right, my pal Bud Brutzman's here, and Rob McCachran, Baja legend, is here. Cue the music, young Jamie. We're going to talk about some crazy Joe shit. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Bud Brutzman, who's my neighbor, we've been friends for many a, many a year, more than two decades, right? We've been friends for a long time. 16, 17 years? Something like that. Long ass time. Uh, Bud, every year, leaves family and friends behind and travels to Mexico to do this fucking crazy race, and every year, I talk to his wife, shaking my head, I talk to other people, shaking my head, going... That Bud Brutzman is a crazy son of a bitch. Like, what the fuck is he doing down in Mexico, doing jumps and flying over hills? Well, he has brought with him Rob McCachran, who is apparently the man when it comes to this Baja racing stuff. And, uh, I mean, I'm fascinated by it, and so uh, I'm I'm real excited to, to get you guys on the podcast and talk about it. And I know you've got something upcoming that you're promoting that uh, so people can get a chance to check it out. Yeah, we. St- I started racing. <clears throat> I'm in the TV business, right? So I think you think I'm crazy, but this race is much like Mount Everest to me. You just got to go do it. It starts always starts as the stupid bucket list thing you got to go do, right? So I, I did it one year. Rob's been doing it for 25 years or 30 years. I I, I did it one year, in 2005, and I'm like, I got to go climb Mount Everest. I got to go do this thing. So I did it um, through a sponsor of mine, BF Goodrich, and I'm like, oh my god. And this is actually leans back to you. This is mixed martial arts of racing. There's no rules. There's no classes. There are there classes, but there's no rules. You can do anything you want. Um, there's consequences down there. I mean, if you don't train, you don't pay attention, you don't sleep, you go out and party the night before, you have consequences. You get hurt, you get killed, you could wreck your car, you can sit out in the middle of the desert for 20 hours. You know, I just went to go compete, kind of like an Ironman. Like, I'm going to go compete, I want to finish it. All right. Right. So just, I, just say you did a marathon. Yeah, I did a marathon. I'm a big, I get a little trophy. It's fine. And now I'm hooked, right? So then it, it's kind of the lure, this majestic place. Rob will talk about a lot. This majestic place. So I was like, I finished. I'm happy. 36 hours in a car. I finished. It was great. Everybody was happy. I was tired as shit. Then the next year I came back. Well, I want to do it again. Well, maybe I'll take second or third or get on the podium. And then so I started chasing it and started chasing it. It took me eight years Every day, you know, I, I work out all the time just to go race. I, I watch race videos. I, I get as much seat time as I can because I only do the one race a year. Well, I do about two races a year, just one to practice, and then I go down and race the 1,000. And I finally won in 2012. But then there's guys like Rob, 200 wins. He's, wait, he's won 200 times in off-road racing. He's won five out of all the stats. Over five Baja 1,000s, five Baja 500s. He's he's the legend of our sport. He races in trophy trucks, which is not my class. But. So for folks who don't know what <laughs> what Baja racing is, explain that. What Rob, why don't you explain it since you've done it yeah. for decades? Absolutely. Baja 1000 is is Baja Peninsula. Basically started in Ensenada, raced all the way down to La Paz, approximately 1000 miles. All dirt roads. All dirt roads. 
some asphalt roads, sometimes we can't get through dirt, so we have to get up on the highway and actually race down the highway with the traffic. As Bud was alluding to, there is no rules. The highway's wide open. The race course is wide open. There's cattle. There's horses. There's uh, Are there speed limits on the highway? Now there are. There didn't used to be. Yeah, there didn't used to be. Now, you know, we have sanctioning bodies. The sport is growing a little bit, and uh, the Mexican government doesn't want Rob doing – I can't do 130 miles an hour on the highway. He can. They don't want him to do 130, so they've, they've got us down to 60. But they, they it's sections. It's really – it's kind of like in between rounds in a fight. You know, you get, jump on the highway. You get time to relax a little bit, get to take a drink of water. You're cruising 60 miles an hour, and then up ahead about five miles, you dump off in the dirt again, and you're just hauling ass in the dirt. And how fast do you go in the dirt? The top speed, the close to one forty. Oh I'm, Jesus! Yeah, yeah. We go we cross dry lakes, one hundred thirty five, hundred forty miles an hour oh. through the whoops. You know, two and three foot whoops like waves. Uh huh. Anywhere you know from sixty all the way up to one hundred twenty across them. It's an incredible thing. the The wheel travel of these trucks is you know over twenty inches in the front, over thirty inches in the rear. The tires that we have are thirty nine inches tall. They cost a lot of money. Luckily, both Bud and I are supported by BF Goodrich. Um, It's an incredible, incredible sport. And like Bud was saying, when he got involved with it, he fell in love with it. And I did the same thing back in the early 80s. And I'm addicted to it. Um, The Ball 1000, it only comes once a year. You try to win it. If you don't get it done, you got to wait another 365 days to get down there and do it again. And uh, it, it's it's an awesome feeling, and you can't wait to get down there and do it. So these trucks, they have like some sort of special suspension on them, where each wheel is kind of independent, and they have a lot of wheel travel. So they can hit these big crazy bumps, and it still kind of keeps the thing fairly level. Is that that's the the no, idea behind no, I, it? Absolutely, got a great analogy there. Yeah, they're, the front suspension's a arm, independent. The rear is actually straight axle, but uh, with you know, shocks that are four and a half inches in diameter, coil springs that are five inches in diameter. Uh, the trucks, they work really, really well over the bumps. They're amazing when you watch them in video. You see the wheels just flopping around like they're just just super loose. And uh, it's an incredible thing that that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, they have um, – I, I know Dodge makes a truck that's just like a, a purpose-built off-road truck that that they sell for like civilians ford ford makes are, a truck well yeah. i know ford makes the raptor right what does dodge make dodge makes a, an even more hardcore version of it for the ram you guys are shaking your no, head no, they're, you they're, must be ford people no, ford? No, we just know the truck industry and both rob and i were in the early stage of develop of the raptor i raced the raptor in 08 rob was in the early development of, of the other raptor testing and we just had that conversation about testing borrego we we know the truck market pretty well dodge has nothing they, they've they've tried to duplicate it is what they've done. There's there's something, there's something called a Ram Runner. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's Ram, a, Jamie, pull up the video. Dodge Raptor versus Ram Runner head to head. This is uh, what I'm referring to. I saw a video online that was. Uh, Have you driven one of those yet? No, I've driven the Raptor a lot, and uh, they're an incredible vehicle. Um, and I know they're pretty cool that you could buy them. Like a yeah, regular absolutely. Person I mean, buy you could, them. it's it's amazing to be able to go to the the Ford dealer and and get a truck that is capable of doing what the Ford Raptor is. I'm, I'm blown away. I've been in the off-road industry for a long time, and uh, it's absolutely incredible what the, what the Raptor can do. Yeah, our neighbor has one of these things. He uses it to go get groceries. See, that's the, uh, the, the difference between them is that the Raptor, apparently, I watched the video, the Raptor is more comfortable driving around. You could actually use it as a regular car, whereas the Ram Runner is much more like, you know, one of these things. 
something that you really wouldn't drive on the street. Yeah, the Ram Road, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's probably aftermarket or purpose-built by a third party or a second-stage manufacturer. It's not, I don't, I mean... So it's not, like, <clears throat> as mainstream as the Raptor. They they run, they run, and I've talked to them, I've been to the plant, they run, like, eight F-150s, and then they throw a Raptor in there. Eight one F-150s, put a Raptor. I mean, it's a, it's a real production vehicle. Right. High, high number production vehicle. That was what my point was going to be, is, like, this has become, this, this type of racing has become so popular that it's sort of bleeding over into the commercial market. The, the the regular domesticated human beings are buying these trucks that they could just drive out into the desert and go fucking go crazy and hit bumps with. Yeah, you, you used to see, we call, you know, the flat billers, you know, mimicking the off-road truck, buying a Ranger, putting fiberglass fenders on it, raising it up, lowering it. And I think, uh, you know, Ford Motor Company saw that. It's like, hey, we should build something that you can just buy right off the lot, and and they did that. I think uh, 2008, Bud and I both went to got invited to go to the out do some testing with the Raptor and, and blown away by it. And then they came on the the showroom, and you're capable of buying those things for you know under around fifty thousand dollars. So it's an incredible vehicle. Yeah, they're fast as shit too, right? Yep, six two. The six two is really fast. The motor, the motor is incredible. I beat the crap out of it in our race. Um, did 103, 105 across the Diablo Lake bed. Um, it's an amazing motor. That, that's a stock motor, too. Yep, that's stock. not even pumped up. My trophy truck's got 900 horsepower. That's why we can do 140. So, but. Jesus. <laughs> 900 horsepower. Yeah. They're, they're wow. Not, they're, they're, they probably weigh full of gas, 105 gallons of gas. Gets about two miles a gallon, 900 horsepower, 39 inch 105 tar- gallons of gas? Yeah, yeah. Have to, it, in order it's like to driving get, a bomb. In, in order to get anywhere, <laughs> in, in order to get anywhere, you got to have that much gas because at two miles a gallon, you don't get very far. It really only gets two miles to the gallon? Pretty much. That's about the average. With that, him driving. That yeah. is hilarious. That's <laughs> hilarious. You have a two mile to the gallon car. <laughs> Wow, 900 horsepower. It is a bomb. It's a bomb. It's 900 horsepower, 100 and how many gallons? How many? 105 gallons. Wow, that's crazy. So um, how long can that get you? Like when you, It's not always two miles, right? Like when you're on the highway going 60, yeah, does it it'll bump go up. up to eight? Yeah, it'll go up to probably six. Whoa, <laughs> so, crazy. We, 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 try to, we try to go anywhere from uh, you know, 100, 175 miles to 225 on a tank of gas. Um, with 900 horsepower, the tires can't go a whole lot farther when you're out there in the desert spinning them. It, it just starts tearing the rubber off them. And so do you have spares in the back or do you have pit stops that you go? Both, both. We carry two spare tires on the back but we just have two pits. yeah just two but every every you know 175 225 miles we have a full-on fuel pit we pull in there and stop they'll put you know 100 gallons of gas or get it filled back up and change the rear tires on the truck and then if we happen to have a flat in between spots you know they'll they'll re-rack another tire so we pretty much have that planned if we're racing up and down the baja peninsula that's about 1100 mile race we'll stop every 200 miles if we do the shorter loop races um, anywhere from 250 to 500 miles are the other races. Go halfway, do tires and fuel, and and hit it. So, Bud, when we did for folks who don't know, Bud produced. He's produced Jesus Christ, a hundred shows. I mean, how many shows have you produced? Uh, produced overhauling and rides and um, rides. When we did that Barracuda, the 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 silver Barracuda that we made, that was what like 2004 or five or yeah, something. Yeah, 2005. Like that? Yeah. So that was like right around the year that you were you were beginning to race. Yep. 
right around the time. And I, I, lo- I love jujitsu, and I love all the stuff that we used to train together. And this is kind of my new, my next new passion. I always had to figure out well, something I'm, new and crazy. To yeah, I'm going to go to Antarctica. With. I'm going to climb Mount Everest. I'm going to go do something stupid. This is my something stupid. And it was really just a. I had so many TV shows on the air at the time. My sponsor was like, "Hey, we want to treat you. Why don't you go down doing this stupid celebrity race?" And then I just haven't returned. Well, Bud was also for folks who don't know was one of the owners of the King of the Cage back in the day. And Bud and I met at Jiu-Jitsu. We trained at uh, John Jock Machado's. We're both students of John Jock's. And um, you were always involved in a bunch of fucking nutty shit. You're always off doing something Looney Tunes. But this one, man, this one stuck like glue. This Baja thing. Boy, you would get this look in your eye like a fucking junkie when you would start talking yep. about it like a like a crazed crackhead just looking f- to get that next fix. <laughs> and he's, he's a king junkie. Uh, this guy's yeah. nasty. <laughs> well, I'm sure with a 900 horsepower car flying around going 140 miles an hour over bumps. It is nothing like you've ever seen. Though you you have to like I talk to people like a new a good friend of mine, um, Andrew Hendricks. He he raced SCCA for years, right? So he's Got him. He's got his Mustang. He's got an Audi. He's racing SCCA and uh, the American Le Mans series, and they're fast. And he's loving it. He took one ride in a trophy truck, sold his stuff, and he's got five trophy trucks now. And he's going to start racing. So flat ground got boring. Flat ground always gets boring. Going around in a fucking circle, it's stupid. It's you're going around a circle. You're going I left, love, left. I love left. that bad for your brain, <laughs> like bouncing up and down. I talked to a guy who's uh, an expert in. <laughs> um, I know of. There's a lot of shit <laughs> bad for your brain. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. My whole life. I'm looking at my whole all my choices. I'm like, it's amazing. I, I talk for a living. <laughs> what? what if, I'm not sure if there's anything I don't do that's not bad for my brain. Um, but the bouncing around. Apparently, he was telling me that even just jet skiing, like or, or water skiing, like getting pulled behind a boat and bouncing up and down. He's like, that's really bad for your brain. Like, you, you, there's nowhere in nature where you like hit water and have your head snap up and down like that. He's like, in nature, it's like what running, maybe the occasional jump. You jump over things. You're avoiding animals that are trying to eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the human body is an amazing thing, right? So my very first race, I, I, I don't think I could feel my neck or my head for about three <laughs> days afterwards. My neck was so sore, and I, at the time, and I've actually been a lot smarter in technologies. They gave me the heaviest, oldest, crappiest helmet. It must have weighed six pounds. Here, put this on. And then I was in the car for 36 hours with this helmet on, and I thought my head was going to come off. You get a Mike Tyson neck from that. Yeah, so your Probably body... do a good your, workout with it. I do. I do one I, for training for thing. I put a 25-pound plate on my head, then I do this, <laughs> and I do that. I do this. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I believe you. You got your, your body starts to evolve and could absorb that. And you actually, the, and the thing that helps you the most is, you, is you're almost like a, like a drunk driving. You just relax. Do your seatbelts and just fucking relax. You, you always put, like Rob and I will go take guys for a ride. We do it on occasion. They're over there on the holy shit bar, and they're tense, and they're so tense, and their seatbelts are sucked down. They stop breathing, too. Yeah, and they, and they, they suck their, their – um, we actually took a SEAL team guy who was on my team in 09, but he put his uh, seatbelt so tight, it like starts hurting their clavicle. Your clavicles start crushing down to your sternum. Your sternum starts separating from your chest. And I'm not kidding. He's like, I think my heart hurts. I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Am I joking? No, like, absolutely not. My heart hurts. I think I hurt my heart. I'm like, no, you just – what happens? Really, you push so much on the clavicle down, sucking down. And your chest you're is separating moving. your ribs. You're separating the center of your sternum out. So like the area that they cut open when they give you open heart surgery. Yeah, it starts separating. It's cartilage oh, right here. God and I'm like, it. you're not having a heart attack. You just put your things. To- Come Shut on, up. pussy. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you, know, you know I took Josh Barnett. Did two, you two years ago? Yeah. 
Well, I know a lot of MMA guys do it. Doesn't Apple, Eric Apple, he, he goes down there a lot? No, he's, he's been down there a lot. He does short court racing. Um, for Yeah, he did short course he racing. He does a lot of racing. He, yep. he told me he was involved in some horrible, horrible wreck recently. It was bad, yeah. He did he did a nose. Did you see that? I think it was no. like Elsinore. He was in that um, West Coast chill truck. Oh, yeah. They went yeah, over yeah. and over and over. And he, oh. uh, yeah, he, uh, he got blood in his eye and got all yeah. kinds of funky. He same thing. I think he, he had same all sorts Curry of bleeding. Did. Yeah. Head bleeding. Yeah, and he was—he's a novice. He's a great friend of ours. He's a novice. He hasn't raced as much. Um, but yeah, that was. Well, he's another fucking nut, right? I mean, he—he he started out his career doing motorcycle racing. yeah motorcycle racing. Then got into MMA, and now another crazy adrenaline junkie. Yep. The uh, the idea behind this is all based on competition. It's one of the things we were talking about. Like, there's very little money in this. Yeah, for for it, it's really. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful sport because you don't really have to have a lot of money to get in certain classes. And then there, there's the like the upper echelon class, like Rob's class. And there's not, and I'll stop talking in a minute. There's not a lot of money into it. But I don't think there's a lot. How much money is in yacht racing? I mean, there, you, all the really big sports or, or things that are on a bucket list. You know, there's not a lot of money in climbing on Mount Everest. It's actually cost you 25 grand if you want to go do it. You, you, it's just one of those things you have to go do. Right. It, it's passion driven. I mean, we get addicted to it. It's like a drug, and we end up spending everything that we have to do it. The the smaller cars, the smaller classes, the they run anywhere from 20 to 50 grand. Trophy trucks like I drive, they're five hundred thousand dollars. That's go, a five hundred thousand dollar truck. <laughs> yep. Oh my God! Should pull up a picture of one of those. What what would he look we, for? Uh, trophy trucks. No, just do Rob McCacken. Don't you yeah. have one on your site? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, robmccacken.com. You'll pull it up. And, you know, for me, too, there was a, there's a mystique around Baja for some reason. And it's all based, you know, you go, the, the essence of cool is like, as you're trying to, as you're trying to figure yourself out in your 20s and your 30s and you, look, and you look back at Steve McQueen, guys like Steve McQueen and James Gardner and all these other cool, Paul Newman, they all raced the race. I mean, they, they did this race before and they went down there and they raced, they raced, I mean, McQueen almost won it a couple times. Really? Um, Paul Newman raced it when he was 80. He was 80 <laughs> he went down there and raced. I mean, these, these cool guys. That might be what killed him. Uh, yeah. Poor bastard. These cool guys want to go down there and race, so there's a cool mystique to it. I mean, the list of celebrities and people who want to go down there and race is just interesting. Yeah, I guess um, it, it's a very strange thing that this has become. So, is that the truck? Yeah, that's okay. That's, so that's actually, the image of yeah. your uh, trophy truck. Yep, that's actually a short course truck. There, that's I, I do short course racing too. That's a pro too. Um, Why is there a naked girl next to you? Does she race with you? <laughs> well, that would make racing better. Absolutely. That's uh, Rockstar. The image. Always have the ladies in the posters. Oh, Rockstar Energy Drink rock is what you're saying. Drink, yes. you're not like one of those dudes like, I'm a rock star. No. I'm out there driving around. I'm a rock star. No. He's the most humble driver out there. There's no, a lot sure. of guys out there. I just want to let people know who are just listening. A lot of people watch this. More people listen yeah. and watch it. So the idea behind it came when? Like what year did this, this, this race get created? I don't know. You Pro- hear- probably in the, in the early 60s. Want to hear my version of yeah, it? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and then I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I read once. No, uh, in, in 62, I'll tell you exactly the, 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 how it happened. In 62, the Honda Motor Company decided that they were going to put out two enduro bikes, right? 1962. Steve McQueen's stunt guy, um, his name's Dave Eakins. Bud Eakins was his stunt double in a lot of the races, and I'll make this short. They said, how are we going to test these bikes and market to Americans? So these guys are just racers and idiots, and they wanted to go, okay, we're going to go, we're, and swear to God, this is what happened. They went in 1962, they, they went to Tijuana, they went to Western Union, they timestamped a card, and they went down to La Paz, and they timestamped a card. No navigation, no nothing, and they made the Baja Peninsula. That was the very first run in the 60s. 
that happened. And then all of a sudden, so they did a time. It's kind of like, you know, you know the gumball rally? Mm-hmm. This is like the gumball rally, but on dirt with a huge car. So they did their rally, and then they posted a time. It's like, hey, we did that in 35 minutes. So then somebody else came back, said, or 35 hours, sorry. They, somebody else came back and says, okay, wait, well, we can beat that. So they did it in 32 hours. And if you look at the, the heritage of people going down there and saying, I can beat that. And then trucks started going down there, and then cars started going down there. And then in 67, there was, um, there was a race. 60, 67, there was a race, the Nora, right, was the right. first Nora. And then um, an icon in my world, right, uh, Mickey Thompson, who's an icon of motorsports for everything he's done in land speed and off-road and everything. He, Is he the guy that r- drove the rocket car? Yeah, he did. He, he, drove, he built land speed records land speed. for off- Yeah. He did every he's Mickey Mickey Thompson in the motorsports world is, is just a is, a, is a, just a genius. Is like he's just a kind of a, a pioneer in a lot of ways. He was always like ahead of the game. He was always building and pioneering something before it's time. Him and Perlman got together and said, Let, "Let's do a race." So they they started off in Tijuana and there was a couple hundred guys. There there was I mean Gardner was in there, uh, Steve McQueen was in there. Were guys I'm not kidding who had shoulder pads like football shoulder pads on on a motorcycle, <laughs> drop the flag and they all go. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So that's what started it all off. Yeah, it's the wild frontier. And it's, I'm telling you, there's, there's no rules. If someone's in your way, you honk nicely, nicely. And if they don't move, you move them. Like you punt them. At like, like you run into bang, them yeah. with cars? Yes. So humans or cars? You're running into humans or you're running into cars? Cars. Cars. Depends on the day. <laughs> but, but for me, it's cars. <laughs> Try not to run into humans. That's yeah. not good. Um, but you've told me that there's a lot of shenanigans that go on with like the locals. Like The locals know that this event is going to take place. A lot of what we talked about, we talked about before we went on live on the air, but Besides the fact that they try to touch the cars, like if you see the videos, like um, I don't know how much how much of the stuff can, can we show? We can't play the music. Is that what it is? No, you can play all the other ones. The other the other videos I sent you. Um, there's here's a video right here. Yeah, like, yes. look how wide that fucking thing is. Yeah, it's about ninety two inches wide, which is about fifteen inches wider than a normal truck. And there we are going across the dry lake at about one thirty. And that's your trophy truck. Yeah, that's a trophy truck. That's Baja, Whoa, California. Oh, that looks fun. It is fun. <laughs> but look how close those people get. Yeah, down there in Baja, I mean, this is the biggest sport that they have, and, and they they wait year-round for us to come down there, and, and they, they have uh, you know such huge passion for it like I do. They, they At times, they want to touch the truck. You'll go by, and you'll see them trying to reach out and grab the truck. Some of the other things, they the shenanigans they do is uh, they build jumps, booby traps, we call them, and, and they... they crash a lot of cars but what they're doing is they want to see the excitement they want to see the truck or the buggy hit the jump and fly through the air and get pictures one thing that's always funny about mexico is you see that they have the, the the phone cameras and i think you can piece together your whole race by them with their phone cameras if they all posted it you could pretty much put the whole <laughs> race there's, together there's thousands so i'll put it in right. perspective so if um First of all, the Mexican people are amazing. They're amazing to us. And it sounds like I'm making excuses for them, but they are innocent enough where they just decide, like, they truly, and I had to learn this the hard way. I had a celebrity in my car and I was driving. But uh, just a n- random celebrity? Yeah. yeah. No, I had actually a Chip Foose, I had Chip Foose with me in my car. <laughs> oh, okay. And we're driving and I'm doing about 90, just a ra- random dirt road. And I see a bunch of people over here, right? Okay, I got to make sure to watch them, make sure they're not darting out in front of me. And there's I see some random people over here with a fire, and there's a lot of them, and it's it's dusk, and they both have fires on the side of this road. And I'm like, this is strange. What are those fucking people doing on the side of the road? Boom! And I hit a telephone pole they buried in the middle of the road, right? <laughs> 
and I went up like this, and I'm coming down like at 90 miles an hour. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is going to be terrible. Luckily, the car absorbed it. We nerfed in, bounced off, and kept going. I didn't even see the telephone pole because I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm a newbie, and I'm looking – a bunch of Mexicans over there. A bunch of guys over. What the, what, that's really nice of these people coming out to see us. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought it was cute to set up this booby trap just to watch people try to jump it and go flying through the air. Well, I think you know. I think the rednecks would do the same thing. If you if you let if you didn't have those fences at the Daytona 500 and they could actually you know fix the outcome, like we're gonna we're gonna see if Dale Jr. could jump this car, right? Oh, for sure. They would do it. But oh, that's no what it is doubt. in Mexico. There's, there's no, no fences. There's yeah. no fences. To there's keep no them back. fences. They're, they're, they're able to go wherever they want. Well, and the capabilities of these trucks are pretty extraordinary. They're very different than anything that a NASCAR car could do. They're not necessary. I, I have a belief. Some people throw bottles and shit like that, but I they're not necessarily out to kill us or hurt us because actually after they wreck us, they'll help us. I've had them wreck, wreck before in a booby trap, and they'll roll the car over. They'll help you fix a car with a welder. They'll get help you change a tire, and they'll push you on your way. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they not only throw bottles but they throw rocks sometimes they've thrown snakes in the cab of the truck they've thrown snakes in the cab of the truck <laughs> yeah to you no it didn't happen to me but uh my partner in, in with mastercraft racing he he was coming in ensenada coming to the finish at night and they robbie no yeah robbie pierce from mastercraft he got a snake thrown in the cab of the truck and <laughs> holy thankfully shit. it's not me because I, I don't really care for snakes what kind of snake i, I don't i don't know i know Who it was cares? a rattlesnake <laughs> yeah, well, it's if really it's mad. poisonous or non-poisonous who that's... cares that you're driving 80 miles an hour and a snake hits when you look down, it could be. It might as well be a, a cobra at that If you're point. really hardcore, you put it in your teeth and you keep driving. Spike <laughs> down its head and fuck you. At that point, you just pull over and get the fuck out of the car. So, was technology developed uh, specifically for this race to figure out how to drive fast and hit those bumps? Because this, all, I mean, I'm fairly. Um, ignorant to, to i mean i've, I've i kind of understand suspensions i kind of see what but, but it's pretty obvious when i look at your trophy truck that there's some extraordinary equipment on that yeah absolutely it's it's developed over the years you know like when it when bud was telling the story earlier how it started in the 60s they were taking stock trucks down there putting a little bit bigger tires on them taking the windshields out of them stuff like that seat putting some extra seat belts in them and now it's just developed into you know big tall tires that weigh Tire and wheel probably weighs 150 pounds a piece. Wow. Shocks, $15,000 for a set of shocks for the truck. Nine horsepower, like I said. Uh, some of us have automatic trannies. Some of them manual trannies. Um, lights, like a baseball stadium. Casey Lights is a sponsor and runs seven of them on the roof and, and seven of them on the front bumper. And you can see a mile down the road and light up the whole desert. And it, Wow! Over the years, it's you know we keep developing, making the things better, and, and you, it's the whole ego thing. You want to be the first one to La Paz, and you're constantly thinking about what can you do, what can you make, what can you build to make it go faster. Well, no, go ahead. No, please. No, I mean, then there's an entire industry that was spawned off of this. This is a halo, right? So trophy trucks and Baja racing is a halo for any brand. It doesn't really matter what it is. We we entertain brands like we said Ford, BF Goodrich, KC. They if they can go down there and conquer Baja. GoPro, you name the company, and they want to go to Baja. And they always come to me because I'm, I'm the media guy, and they're like, how do we do this? I'm like, I don't know. I'll hook up with a trophy truck, and we'll go beat the shit out of your product and see if it works. It's, there's an entire industry. If you go to SEMA, which is that big you know, aftermarket parts thing, there's an entire industry which is dedicated to off-road. And the halo of off-road is Baja 1000 Racing. It's the halo. It doesn't really. You know how we. Um, when you say it's the halo, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's it's really the pinnacle. If you if you, if you go to racing like NASCAR, F one, you know they 
stuff is developed and then trickles down. So mm-hmm. there is a pass through from everything that Rob is compl- – because he complains a lot. Everything that Rob complains because it's not fast enough, it's not good enough. That's he, how you get a 900-horsepower <laughs> fucking <right>. truck <laughs> that goes two miles to the gallon. He'll talk to his shock hubs. I hit a shock. I hit this bump one time at 85 miles and an I felt hour. it. I felt it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to feel it. <laughs> I drive – I hit a All two- due respect, he drives a fucking pillow. I mean, that thing drives – it just – it it drives. So when you're going all over those crazy bumps and shit, you're nothing. fairly level. Nothing. You feel, yeah, you, he feels nothing. You you, you 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 do feel a little bit, but it's it's incredible. It's it's uh, analogy we have is it's like riding on a marshmallow. When you jump and you land, it's like just falling like you're landing on a marshmallow. Wow. And that's the development over all the years, and, and and thankfully I'm in the trophy truck class, which is the elite class. I've worked my way up from the bottom, driven through them all, and definitely don't want to go back. And thanks, appreciate that. <laughs> well, well, what's the difference? The bo- the bottom ones, like what are the? How many classes are there? Well, there's 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 more than ten classes. There's there's probably six or eight truck classes, and there's six or eight buggy classes, and there's also motorcycles, and ATVs, quads, ATVs, all these. There ends up being over twenty classes at the bottom one thousand, and and they all compete against their own class. They all start at their own time together against a clock. They don't. We're not racing. We were racing all together at the track at the same time, but we're separated by start time. So you're really racing the clock. You do have traffic. You do have to get by the guys, um, and to to get the win. What? <laughs> what happened there? Uh, I'm so used to Bud jumping in on me. Oh, <laughs> you're flinching. Yeah. Um, so when you're when you're driving these things, it's very different than the cheaper trucks. Yeah. Like the I don't want to say go. cheaper because none of them are cheap, but the the different classes. Yeah, well, the different classes. Like you the entry your, level classes. Yep, exactly. You got to have your entry level classes, and and they're a lot more stock. They don't have as much wheel travel. They got eight or ten inches of wheel travel in the truck. Smaller tires. They're just uh, restricted a lot more and. Those cars are a lot more difficult. They beat you up a lot more. They take a lot longer to get down the down the peninsula. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. So, like when you first started out, you took much more of a beating. Yeah, absolutely. So now, like that's that's why you're into these really yeah. cushy rides. Like you've been there, done that. I've been there, done that. I want to work my way up and and get to the top of the sport. I've been doing it for thirty years, and I've been in the elite class since the mid nineties. So this is a good vehicle for the apocalypse, except for the fact that it uses so much fuel. Yeah, but if you have gun, you can get fuel. Yeah, but you got to make your own fuel at a certain point. I mean, you're not running diesel, right? No. See, that's the problem. You know Neil Young makes his own diesel? I think Daryl Hannah makes her own diesel out of vegetable oil and crap like that. Yeah. Too. Well, N- Neil Young uh, apparently has his gigantic farm. He has like a thousand plus acre ranch in Northern California, and he uh, makes his own biodiesel. And runs all his uh, vehicles off of his own gasoline. So he's completely, totally off the grid. They like a conversion on the old Mercedes? Yeah, you can do a conversion on any kind of old car. Well, not, and even new cars, apparently. You on can the do diesel, conversions right? uh, to biodiesel. Yeah. Yeah, we have to. We have to. Actually, I was going to run one year. I was on. I was working. What does that a, show? That picture of J- Jamie? Would you put up Neil Young's '59 Lincoln runs on biodiesel and can be plugged in? Wow. I like that. That's pretty dope. I was working on a deal where I was going to do a truck, an all-electric truck down there. <clears throat> oh. So instead of switching out gas. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the, the lithium God. batteries, because I was involved with a, a, a truck company, and they, they, you know, my answer is very stock. Like, how, what can we do to market this thing? Mm-hmm. Race it. 
I don't care what it is. It could be a, right. it could be a mini bike. My answer is race it. We should probably go race it, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Could you do a, a, a – I mean, is it feasible that you could have enough battery power to do that? Sure. Yeah, and the torque would be amazing. That's why I want to do it. The torque on those the electric motors are amazing. The problem is I don't think you would go – our pits are – my pits, not his. Our, my pits are about 120 miles apart, and that would be hard to get there. Yeah, my buddy Aubrey has one of those Teslas, right? and the, the pickup is incredible. Like, I was really shocked at how fast those things go. Like, the zero to 60 is like four seconds. Right. It's bananas. And it's weird because there's no gears. It's just, you're just going. It's not like, it's very digital. It's just, it's very much like a spaceship. I mean, you just, you hit the grass, completely silent. I mean, you hear the tires rolling on the rubber, or the rubber rolling on the concrete, and that's it. You don't don't hear anything. It's it's very strange. That'd be a little bit scary in Baja. Because the the spectators, you, they're used to hearing the race vehicle coming electric. They probably wouldn't hear it coming, right? Yeah, we could play you that the noise. Polka, we could play that polka music or something yeah. on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many? You would have to have so many batteries, though. What I'm thinking is like a Tesla. If you go from the beginning fully charged to the end, you're getting like 300 miles, I think. Yeah, but that's all I would need to do. We planned it out. It'd be 120 miles through charge. So we you build a carriage underneath, which are about seven, eight hundred pounds of batteries, and then you get to the next pit. And you have a fully charged set of batteries. Oh, you drop that carriage, put that carriage in, bolt it back up. I'd be in my own class, and I could provide them whatever company was um, at the time. It was a company called Phoenix. I could provide them with a Baja 1000 win as a marketing campaign. Has um, Ford or any of these other country uh, any of other companies have ever thought about doing something like that? Ford is amazing at it because they do use Baja a lot. I, last year, <clears throat> um, I raced a brand, the brand new F-150, the 2015 F-150, which is a twin turbocharged V6 um, in, in the stock class. I had stock suspension, stock tire, everything stock on the car, a twin turbocharged V6. And we did the Raptor together. I did the Raptor weight. He was on the testing. And I raced the F-150 last, last year. And when you race an F-150, how much of it is different than what you would buy off a showroom floor? Uh, nothing. Roll cage. <clears throat> we, had, we had a fuel cell, roll cage, spare tire. That one, I had, I had a radio. And we had cup holders. I remember I would look at some of the videos. There's a cup holder in there. I, you can look it up online. F-150 races the Baja 1000. There's me. And you're going to laugh at me. That's it right there. Uh, no. That, <clears throat> that seems pretty different, no, right? That's different not, fenders. That's not, that's not <clears throat> it. No, you'll see mine. It's, it's the uh, 2012 Baja. And they pissed me off because I told them they did this to make me mad. But they, have, they made me wear a white driving suit. <laughs> <laughs> For folks who don't know, Bud wears – Bud, you're, you're the weirdest fucking dude I've ever met when it comes to clothes. You go over Bud's house. He's got all black pants, all black shirts, his whole fucking wardrobe. His entire closet is black shirts, black pants, black t-shirts, black underwear, I'm assuming. Yeah. Black socks. Black socks. Black sneakers. Yep. He just doesn't want to think about colors. No. So when they, they hit you with some white, did you wear it or did you just get a marker, a sharpie? I was, and just a, I was pretty up. Luckily, I didn't have to get in the car at the beginning and, I, and it, the rain was, uh, the weather was pretty cold. So I had a black slicker I put on the top. So of it me. rained on you and you rolled around in the dirt? <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> in your white driver's suit. I've been trying bad. to get Bud High for so long to get him to smoke pot and I'm like the first thing you're gonna do is throw away those fucking black clothes you're gonna go what all, look at all these pretty colors I could choose just let me get a just get, let me get a little so color so I get stoned I start, I start wearing pastels you'll start enjoying different colors you'll start realizing how ridiculous we turn you into Andy wear. Dick and you can wear pastels it's and not shit. Andy Dick I'm just saying you have an appreciation for other colors no <laughs> <laughs> no 
I think if I smoke pot, which I'm not going to, I'd be more into the Dark Lord world and I'll have just maybe skulls on my T-shirts. Wow. You would get darker? Yeah. Mm, so. Okay. Now, when you drive an F-150, do you use like regular tires? Or, like you take tires that are right off of a showroom floor? Yeah. These, the, the, we had the new BF Goodrich uh, KO2s that we raced on this, on this truck. Normal suspension. New. Regular F-150 suspension. Stock. Dude, we went hunting at Tahone Ranch up in uh, north, like uh, it's near Bakersfield. For TV, right? You did that that TV. No, thing? no, no. This was uh, a recent one. We went wild pig hunting. Tahone Ranch is uh, this huge ranch. It's uh, one million seven hundred thousand acres, biggest ranch in California, huge place. And uh, this guy Cody, who was one of the uh, guides there, one of the hunting guides, drove us all around in F one fifty. And I mean, talking horrific terrain. And this fucking thing is driving over rocks and. And I, I was so impressed. I was like, this is like one of the best commercials for an F-150 you could ever get. Just going to like, if you're thinking about buying one of these things, what, what's an F-150 capable of? Go fucking drive around to Hone Ranch for a couple of days in one of these things and, and, and think if you would want to do this on anything else. This is, this is what I <clears> – <throat> oh, that's the Raptor that Rob, um, Rob and I um, were involved with the development of. So that's a, that's a custom Raptor. That's not like a – Yeah, that, we raced that in Class 8, and we, we built it out. But it, it, that one still had the stock motor. Um, yeah, stock motor, stock dash. We did have we did have custom suspension on it. It's actually that's what caused me to race the F one fifty last year. Is they go, okay, well we built the Raptor a little bit, and you know people start chatting now online like, oh that wasn't really stock, so they made us race a stock car. Oh, so just not even a Raptor, just a regular F one fifty. Regular F one fifty, regular. Now, did you bottom out at all with that? Um, that's probably an understatement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't bottom out with your truck. Uh, we do, but we're going you know three times as fast as the stock truck, <laughs> so it, it bottoms out. You don't feel it quite as bad. It doesn't do as much damage. So the bottom of your F one fifty was completely stock as well. No, no plates or anything. We to had a, we no we did we had a um we definitely had a skid plate underneath the front on the, them to protect the motor underneath. Yeah, because we bottomed out a lot. That's and, what you see in the front of the Raptor. That front piece that comes plate. down. That's a skid plate. Yep. So you just installed something along those lines. Yep. That's it. Yep. Wow. And then after we raced it, I mean, the car was in such good shape, but I can't even believe because this year was what? Last year. See if you pull up that video. F-150 <clears throat> races Baja. Yeah, it's a 2000. You'll see it. We put it up online. Um, the Ford F-150, new F-150 races, conquers Baja. Um, they, uh, this was the toughest. 2012, 2013, sorry, was the single toughest Baja 1000 I've ever seen. I've, Why is that? I, I don't know. Roger Norman, who owns Score, decided it was his first Baja 1000 course. This is my opinion. I'll let Rob talk. It was his first Baja 1000. He wanted to make a statement. He's a former racer. He wanted to make it the worst fucking course you ever, ever could drive. And it was tough. It was hard and slow and fast and gnarly. And How over- do they change it? He just marks the course. He goes So this down. is the F-150? Yeah. This is it right yeah, here? that's it. That's me so driving. that's a stock F-150 yep. with just the lights on it. Yep. Wow. That's you driving that thing? Yep. I have the blue helmet sitting in my... It's a great F-150 fucking commercial. I mean, Ford's really smart doing this. I'm I'm fucking never thought about racing in my life, and now I'm thinking, God, I gotta do this. Go with Rob. Rob, yeah, you gotta do it. If, what, next time, that's the way to go. We'll go, next time, yeah. go straight to the top, <laughs> trophy truck. Next time you're in Vegas, <laughs> he lives in Vegas. Next time you're in Vegas, he'll take you out to Prim, go for a ride. You'll shit yourself. I'm there in May. I'm there in May for the UFC. Incontinent. You'll be. I'll tell you what. We'll make a deal. I'll get you UFC tickets. You uh, you take me for a fucking beat ride in the desert. <laughs> We're in. <laughs> his right. girl, his oh, girlfriend God. would love that. Amber would love to go to the <laughs> UFC. Yeah. All right. 
right, beautiful. It's a good event, too. That's uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Hennon Burrell. should be fun. Um, now, you guys have been involved in this for a long time. How much has the popularity increased over the last few years? Because it seems like there's a lot of exposure. Like, I'm hearing about it all the time. Maybe I'm hearing about it just because I'm friends with Bud. But, I mean, I'm seeing it online. I'm seeing, like, a, a lot of these crazy, like, Ram Runner-type trucks are being built. Yeah, popularity, it's, it's you know, I've known for 32 years, and it's it's increased. Um, Bud's definitely helping out a lot with score this year, you know, with television production, getting us out there on TV, putting very good shows together. I think here at the end of April, I think April 20th. April we'll 20th, on. yeah. We, did, did, we just did a deal with CBS. You know, I, I just I told him this great story. I won I won my race in 2012 in my class, and then Roger Norman, who's the new owner, came up to me and I swear to God, he's like, "Well, now you're a champion. You can produce TV for me." This is what he said to me. It's like great, and I, I I get to happy because you know you know me as I do I do TV, I do all my stuff. So now I get to kind of merge, and I always seem to do this: merge my two hobbies together. When I was doing jujitsu, we had King of the Cage, right? Right. Because <laughs> like, right. I gotta have a reason and a, really a television vehicle to do something. Because then I get to be kind of be cool in the sport. Well, you're kind of a workaholic, and it's it helps you when you're doing jujitsu. Well, you know, hey, I need to know what the fuck's going on when I'm watching fights. Exactly right. And so it's a, it's a way to sort of make a hobby a part of your job but you do my immersion style like rob will tell you is like i've raced for 10 years and now i'm producing a tv there's not much i haven't done or experienced down there not like rob has but he i i know the racers feel comfortable just like you know when you're commentating a fight the fighters feel comfortable that you you're commentating going you know what the fuck they're doing the setups i know what they're doing in the car i've been on the course right and I, and, right right and not not in the, not in the super trucks but i've been down there going i know that course i know what he's doing this is what happens that's a booby trap so when we're editing the show i get to bring my experience into it yeah, that's got to help a lot for for the riders, for the drivers. Yeah, absolutely. He has as much or more passion than I do. Just just riding around with him today and uh, listening to him talk about all the stuff and how jacked up he gets when he watches the videos and stuff. He's like a kid in a candy store. And- yeah, Bud's fucking show rides is what got me to. I never thought about buying a classic car, but I watched his show rides. And I'm like, God damn, I want to get one of those. That looks fucking cool. I think the show's coming back, by the way. Rides I'm, is coming back. I'm working it on should it. come back. Jesus you have Christ, space right back there. You could put two more cars. Uh, there's space. I got a little garage. <laughs> you can put two cars. Well, in. I'm thinking of expanding. Thinking of getting a bigger place. That I could put an archery range in. There's uh, there's an archery range here, whether you know it or not. There's targets in the back, and there's a straight shot 28 yards from the front door to the back. <laughs> you got to tag the werewolf? Is that what you got to no, do? No, I have a compound bow sight back there. Or, uh, That's normal. A compound bow uh, target back there. Absolutely yeah. normal. Well, my new thing is hunting, and I've been uh, doing that the last couple of years. I'm fucking bananas about that, the way you're bananas about racing. So I'm trying to incorporate that into my life. That's yeah, but how we, I do, we it. do that too. Yeah. Yeah, they kill animals on the race course every once in a while. Yeah, but I don't think that's hunting. Oh. I think that's just traffic jams. <laughs> that's just uh, livestock getting on the race course. <laughs> yeah, back to uh, the, the course getting tougher. How do they make the course tougher? Rob, you can answer that. Uh, Roger looks at the maps, tries to figure out the roughest, worst spots on the whole Baja Peninsula, and then tries to mark the course so it goes through all that. He wanted to make a statement. Wanted to make Baja tougher than ever, and he he did it last 2013. It was a loop race from Ensenada to Ensenada. It wasn't a peninsula run, but he went to all the worst parts of Baja and had us run through it. So they changed the actual place you go to. So there's no benefit. 
Oh, every year. Every year. Every year the course gets different. Yep. Absolutely. Every year it's different. Maybe runs the opposite oh. direction. Just different different areas. Because that becomes a big issue with, like, say, like the Nurburgring, which is the benchmark that they use to test performance cars. The, the issue becomes when guys have raced the Nurburgring so many times, they know exactly when to slow down, exactly when to speed yep. up, and that has a big effect on those Nurburgring times. Because, you know, everyone's chasing that seven-minute time around the Nürburgring. And now, sub-seven-minute in that Porsche 918, they've managed to go sub-seven minutes, which is fucking insane. Mm. But a lot of that is those guys knowing that course. Absolutely. You don't have that. No. Our stuff changes every time. It's different. Even loop races, every time you come around, there's already been 100 other cars that have been there since you had, and it's completely different. Silt beds, rocks are moved. So that's... Part of the thing that's so interesting about our sport is it's never the same. Well, it's interesting. is It's also <clears throat> the, the mayhem starts with the organizer. So I, I want to put in perspective. for. So you know what a Tough Mudder is, right? Um, I've heard the expression. So a Tough Mudder are those, you know, those races they put through obstacle courses and through mud holes. And you're going to take over. You're going to climb up a wall and then go through fire and crawl through barbed wire fences. This is like a Tough Mudder. Our organizer, which is Roger and, and some of the guys who mark the course, they want they, – they, it start – the mayhem starts with them because they'll put us through shit and they know we're going to get stuck. Or they'll go, if he's not paying attention, he's going to hit that rock. He's going to go flipping off the edge and that will be great. These guys are sadistic pricks. So they're saying – We're going to set up a rock there to make sure we're going to set up the course by a rock. So if you don't pay attention, you're going to go flying off the edge of a cliff. Uh, Yes. And I've been – I'm not kidding. Sometimes it'll be – it's really weird. You'll be reading the terrain, reading the terrain. You'll come up over this rise, and there's a left-hand turn. And if you don't pay attention, you're off. Oh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. It starts with the sadistic pricks that are down there marking the course. Am I wrong? No, absolutely right. Well, you told me once that you were driving and you came upon a wreck and a guy had his bones sticking through his leg. When, uh, a guy broke his leg. Right. And you, it flipped off the side of a cliff and you had to get down there and locals were starting to creep in and it got real sketchy. No, no, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, you're mixing two stories. You're missing, Am I? Yeah, the Josh Barnett story and then our wreck. We had, uh, my team in 07, uh, the BF Goodrich team in 07 had one of the, the worst wrecks in the planet. Everybody thought the two drivers were dead and I had to go in and get them. And this is part of, again, this is an adventure race. It's not car racing. This is an adventure race. And what happened in ours, this is, uh, the, our, our BC car went off the uh, cliff at, at San Javier. And to guys like us, you say he went off the cliff at San Javier. It's fucking crazy. Cause it's, How far? Uh, 300 feet. <gasps> and there are sections on the course where they're inverted, where it's like this, and you just hit. Luckily, so the car dropped 300 feet? Rolled seven times, 300 oh, feet, destroyed God. the car. And I didn't know because I went – we were just talking about it. I, went, I, I was down in Loretto. We went down to La Paz, and I got a call to go back to Loretto because our car's in trouble. And we can't find the car. And I didn't know where he's at. And then the guys in the car call my wife. Two o'clock in the morning. That's not good. They call my wife on the sat phone, even though I told oh, them how to use the sat phone. Oh, no. They're like, and they're, they sound all fucked up. They're like, uh, is Bud there? And Adrian's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so she calls me on my sat phone, goes like, somebody just called here from the house. I'm like, all right, where, would they say they where they're at? It's like, no, they just hung up. 
So now our car is off the course. We know it's not moving because we can track it. We don't know where they're at. We could kind of tell where they, where they were the last time. So I did this. Again, this is an adventure race. And Rob's got 7 million of these stories. I'll tell you one stupid story. And then I'll shut up because I've been talking too much. You keep saying I'm going to shut up. You yeah. better stop Don't saying shut that. Up. You're not good supposed to-, <laughs> to shut up. You're supposed to be here doing a podcast. Yeah. But not on You're me. You're too I, self-deprecating, you fuck. I'm the, the douchebag tell your producer God, shut who up. races. You're my friend. Tell your goddamn yeah. story. All right. So we Jesus. were racing. <laughs> and I remember it was Kenny Bartram. My, these two guys in the car. There was Tracy Jordan, who's a rock crawler. King of the Hammers guy and uh, Kenny Bartram. Kenny Bartram is this you know famous guy who he, cowboy Kenny does uh, he does nuclear cowboy stuff and he's an FMX guy, he's a motor sorry, motocross guy. So I told him I got to get in the car. San Javier is very dangerous. Settle yourself down. Get through San Javier and then you can haul ass you know down to La Paz. No problem. Thirteen miles from the pit. Thirteen miles from the pit is straight down and he knows I'm not lying. There's it's st- up a twisty road and, yeah. and there's cliffs. On one side, you're on the side of the mountain for 13 miles, and there's a cliff on the side of the road. Real tight, twisty stuff. Don't make a mistake. And let me tell you why. Because 200 years ago, some priest, this is actually true, 200 years ago, some priest on a donkey, they used to, what they used to do with the missions, they used to be two days. Missions used to be two days apart. They'd set a mission here, and then him and a donkey and somebody else would go up a road, and when, after the second day, they'd land, and they'd build another mission. Right there. And then two days later, they do it. So up this hill, this donkey trail going up this hill, this guy, and I talked to him. I had Thanksgiving dinner with him. He hung a wheel off it, off the corner, and said, oh, shit, hold on. Six times, he counted the the revolutions going over and over. And all of a sudden, there was nothing, and then they hit, and the co-driver was knocked out. He had a compression bruise from his helmet. Um, compression bruise like his helmet got hit, and they put a bruise on his skull from the the, uh, roll cage. So I ha- so my story is I get to Loretto and nobody's there. We were so far behind. There was no pit. There's no support. And there's one guy picking up cans. I'm in my race suit. I studied jiu-jitsu. I'm a badass, right? Okay. So I, <laughs> I go up to this guy and I, I look at him and he's an older guy. He's in his 60s. I really didn't feel like talking. I just said, give me your keys. He looked at me. Excuse me? I said, give me your keys. I have an injured driver. I need your truck. So he reaches in his pocket. I was going to beat his ass. I didn't care. I was going to take his truck. You were going to take his truck? I have an injured driver on the course. So why wouldn't you just ask him to help you? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you were just full with adrenaline and yeah, crazy I was, and I was tired. Panic. You stay up for three days and go ask some guy for permission. I'm not staying up for three days. <laughs> you stay up for 36 hours and they go, excuse me, sir, can I, I'm not English. Can so you, you just said, give truck? me your keys. I said, give me your keys. You're lucky you didn't get shot. Yeah, that's true. So he, he reaches in his pocket and, and he hands out and he goes, can I go with you? I'm like, sure, get in. So I grab his, I grab his truck, and it was a stock Toyota truck, and we go down this riverbed, uh, that, the riverbed, which was terrible, but it took me two hours to go 13 miles in a stock Toyota truck, little tiny itty-bitty, like a mini truck. We got to Sam Javier, went up, searching for him, stopping every time that there was a crest, every time that I thought momentum could take a driver off, we'd stop, search, couldn't find him. So two hours, we finally found him. It was still night? Was, oh, yeah. was it still yeah, night? still night. I found him, and my co-driver got had a concussion. He's vomiting. He's peeing. He's peeing, pissing himself because he smelled like shit. Got picked up my two drivers, went down there, and the scavengers were already start taking wheels off the car, GPS, anything you can get off the car. They, they were, were already doing that while the guys were inside the car. The guys were already they got off the top of the um, out of the gully, and they were already down there picking. So I went back down there to get my sat phone to get my other stuff, and I'm like, get the fuck away! Get a, I'm shooing the Mexicans away that are already picking this car apart. Wow. And uh, so I get Tracy back in the car, um, 
And this, these are stories. These happen every. That's why it's an adventure race. I'm not like I went to the drag strip and I did nine seconds. Right. So I, I got Tracy back in the car, two and a half hours back, and we stopped because he had to vomit every every like every 15 minutes. Like hold on, guys, hold on, and he's vomiting. He's got a concussion. Bad concussion. So we get him back. He's okay. We get him in a Loretto. So I'm gonna, or get him out, um, we, we were in Loretto. We got him down to La Paz. And by that time, it was 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Take him to the emergency room. Probably not advisable, but took him to the emergency room. What's I told, that like? Yeah, I told the doctor in Spanish that he, he hurt his dick, and he's got to check his dick. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor, so the doctor, he's got this huge bruise on his head. So the doctor's like, um, take your pants off. So he starts taking his pants off. <laughs> And then uh, Tracy's George, I swear to God, he's looking at me. He's like, "Why is he asking?" I go, "I told him you hurt your dick." He's like, "God." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how many people have died doing this race? Uh, there's every every year or so. There's there's probably probably one motorcycle. Or, the biggest thing is there's accidents on the highway. It's not actually the race cars that happen, but uh, because the race starts in Ensenada, goes all the way to La Paz. We race all the way through the day, through the night, into the next day. And uh, usually a lot of the accidents happen there on the highway with, with the, the spectator traffic or the chase traffic. Race race cars, not too often. Not too often. Motorcycle guys get hurt a lot. I mean, Josh Barnett hit a motorcycle guy in, in, uh, in 13 or in 12. In 2012, he hit a motorcycle guy. But motorcycle- really? What happened with that? Well, I, you know, it's funny. Monster Energy called me. <clears throat> and they said they wanted to. Uh, do I know any um, any athletes? Any athletes or superstars that want to come down a race because they were out? I'm like, yeah. So I called Josh. I know he's a, he's the uh, the ultimate gearhead. And to gearheads, if you say, hey, you want to come race, he two weeks notice, never raced off road in his life. I had him in a car. He comes down there to like the next week. I put him. We do some training down 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 at the Sterile Beach. Show him how to work in the car. And next thing, he's in a race. <laughs> Poor fucker. He's like a nineteen. He was nineteen hour. He went. I took him nineteen hours to do like the first stint, like three, like three hundred miles. He's going through a silt bed. There's a motorcycle guy, clips him and breaks his leg. Now, Josh did one of the most amazing things. I'm not saying that Rob wouldn't do this. So, Josh Burnett. You know who he is? No. Super. Youngest ever UFC heavyweight champion, right, right. super great guy. Super great. guy. I had him on the podcast. He's probably one of the best podcast guests. Excuse me, one of the best podcast guests I've ever had. He's a super intelligent guy. Yeah, he's so smart, heavyweight fighter, amazing, amazing grappler, amazing fighter. And he loves cars. He has a Shelby, he's got he's got all kinds of cars. Yeah, he he's, loves a, he's a fucking nut. So he goes down there into a silt a silt bed, um, and he wanna get he wants to get around it, but you don't really have control in the silt bed. You can hit it, sometimes you hit a rut and it throws you right a little bit. He hit this guy and broke his leg. Compound fractured his leg. So he gets through the silt bed, and not a lot of guys that do this, by the way. I'm just telling you. It's like for the first time being down there, so he – and he feels like shit. And he'll tell you the story. But he pulls off to the side of the course, goes into the silt bed, which is dangerous, by the way, pulls the, guy, the guy's motorcycle out so no other cars hit it, and then picks the guy up, walks him out, and puts him on the hood of his car, calls in, waits for a helicopter to come. Helicopter comes. Josh carries this guy with a compound fractured leg into the helicopter, drops him in a helicopter, then puts his helmet back on and continues his race. <laughs> and then he rolled it. <laughs> <laughs> he rolled his truck after all that? Yeah. There's Josh. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the picture right there. That's, a, that's his buggy. Monster Energy truck. Wow. So, so you were talking about the dude who raced on flat surfaces and then just gave it up and started doing only this kind of dirt crazy shit. There's not a lot of these courses, though, right? It's like you could go – there's a lot of – 
race courses around the country where the average person can do do uh, you know uh, a, a track day and put on a helmet and drive fast around a course. How many courses are there like this where a guy can just so, go out and? It's unlimited. Baja, there's there's roads everywhere. Um, go down there and and practice or run or play. You'd have to go to Mexico to do it. Ah, uh, there's there's some stuff in the in the states. Well, there's a lot of races, by the way. I yeah. mean, there's I mean, he does short course. You can you can you can gear up in a pro two pro, pro four pretty easy and go short court racing. And then long there's um there's two organizations. There's obviously Score and there's a couple other organizations that do them. You know the Mint the Mint four hundred, which Rob races in. A best in the desert, Rob races in. I've done some stuff in, in the in Arizona, um, Nevada. You, there's a lot of races. So there are a few courses. Are there courses or is it just organizations? No. We build courses. They're all every off road race is unique. Oh, okay. So now like what if say if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know what, I need some goddamn adventure in my life. Best I'll thing to do is look up score. Score schedules. Score. Go score. Score off. Knocked up strip club in New York City. <laughs> Not that was in Atlanta. No, that's <laughs> wherever it is. <laughs> I don't know anything about those places. Score international. Yeah, score international. Looked up on the internet. Look at the schedule. Find out where the races are. Go check one out. There's a lot of other racing organizations that race all over. Um, you know, the Western United States. There's almost off road race just about every weekend somewhere somewhere in the Western U.S. You can. And for some folks, they just go quote unquote off roading. So they just get a truck and find a spot where they are allowed to drive and just go nutty. Yeah, that's not those are Jeep adventure guys. The guys go like Moab and they go real slow and that's not what we do. That I don't get. Yeah. That crawling. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I made it up the rock. Dude, I could walk quicker than that, you stupid fuck. <laughs> yeah, rock What's crawling. in your truck that you need to get up to the top of the rock with it, you know? That doesn't make any sense to me. No. Yeah, I don't get the rock crawling. It's, it's slow speed. It's, it's pretty incredible. I, I did a, a rock crawling. It's actually rock race. So oh, it's the rock, a race. Well, there's different things. Rock crawling is one thing. Racing slow. And then racing slow. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's, it's pretty wild that when they do the – I think it's the events called King of the Hammers. And you climb up some rocks that you can't even climb with your hands, but you get in this modified – unlimited vehicle like very expensive on top uh, it's same with even bigger tires than we have and they just go right up it like you're like you're actually crawling a little you can't crawl you can't climb it no now, you can't climb it with your 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 you can't it's very hard for you to climb it as a human being but this car will pull up to it or this truck kind of like a jeep but it's highly modified it's it's difference between like a stock ford f-150 and a trophy truck it's like a stock jeep and an unlimited i think they call them ultra fours yeah and they're they're incredible what they'll do they'll go up incredible rock climbing events straight faces you'll see some of the internet stuff it it is fascinating it's crazy but it is slow it's racing slow well i guarantee you somebody could climb it though like you're those free climber dudes yeah like those alex honnold guys that go up the you know they they go up things that aren't even flat they're they're like leaning towards you no he said you couldn't climb it i could (laughs) climb it don't fucking (laughs) test me bud i'll fucking climb it right now bitch the um the 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 industry uh, like must be like it must be a huge thing like building all these different things and I mean people must be getting involved in this recreationally and building these like trucks and taking the regular trucks and adding all this stuff to it and it's just like hot rodding I mean yeah. you have you have a geyser right yeah there's there's, uh, there's the, the geyser brothers build trophy trucks Jimco builds trophy trucks there's probably there's probably five or six builders that do trophy trucks, mm-hmm. and then you have all your your guys that work out of their own shop, smaller 
building their own stuff. So that's you know, Bud alluded earlier. There's really no rules. Trophy trucks. The rules are it can't fly. You could have unlimited <laughs> suspension. It has to have a body like a truck body, which is fiberglass, and it can't fly. It has to stay on the ground. So it's it's a unique thing. You can pretty much brainstorm with whatever you can to try to go out there and beat your competition. Well, that's what's innovative about the sport. When you give guys a limited horsepower, a limited this, do anything you want. Actually, there is one rule that I'll tell you that I saw, and you'll remember this story really well. There's actually only one rule that I know of, actually. Um, <clears throat> but you, you get to you get especially in competition, you get to breed the best of the human mind because he's trying to beat this other guy. I'm going to kick his ass. So here's the one rule. 08, 07, I think it was 07, right? This guy named Brian Collins. <clears throat> Swear to God, this happened. They took a fueling system off an Apache helicopter, right? Stuck it off the back of their truck. And they had a fueling truck that would walk up to it while they're moving and jam it in the back of it and refuel it while they're moving. And finally scored, was that 07, 08? When was that? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Mark Miller and Ryan Arciero. Holy man! And they did it on the highway. They, they, they developed a system on a, on a regular chase truck. That was following the race truck down the highway, and the fuel was in the bed of the chase truck, and they had a pressurized system that they pulled up <laughs> while they're going 60 miles an hour down the highway. They pulled up behind the race truck, and it had like a, like a nozzle out the front of it, and they stabbed it into the nozzle that was on the tr- race truck, and they filled it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so they could save four minutes. They could save two or three minutes in the pit. You're not even supposed to smoke when you're at a gas station. <laughs> so I think that's the rule. It's like no, no, more, it, no more fueling while you're going down the highway. You're not even yet. supposed to use your cell phone right. while you're at a gas station because very rarely a spark, an electronic spark, can ignite fumes and you can burst into flames. Like yeah. that's happened before. Yeah. And these, these fucking two- crazy assholes are going 60 miles an hour filling their car up on the highway. I remember watching, I was with a Herps team that year. I forgot when it was. The Herps? Yeah, Herps. Like Herpes? Like uh, no, the herps? Like terrible Herps like in Vegas. The Herps gas stations, the Herps hotel. They're, I don't know what that is. I've never um, heard of that. They're pretty big. Yeah, they're, they're, they have the Herps hotels right on Paradise. That's a terrible place to go and stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Get- sorry for, for the people who own it. But just the don't name. Be, don't be sorry for it. The me. name. Yeah, we're gonna stay at the Herps. Good luck. <laughs> I got. I got the Herps. Yeah, I got to the Herps. Shit. You gonna be okay? Did you take your medication? <laughs> Use some antibacterial soap. So I, you know, I was with them. Without say, I won't say their name again. I was with them, and we saw that, and we're like, we're all kind of like, uh, that's pretty cool. And that, that did they win that year? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they won that year because of yeah. that. Well, wow. saving time. There's more to it than just that. But how it many minutes do you think that saved? Throughout the thousand mile race, probably ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes of time instead of stopping in the pit, and that matters absolutely. Now, no one's sleeping. You guys are just driving. Uh, everybody in the race truck, they're they're driving the whole way. Some people solo. They drive the whole thousand mile race without getting out of the truck. Drive the whole way. I've done that in the past. Do you have a diaper on? Uh, they have these catheters. Oh, Christ. Piss kit. There's a tube in your dick. That's no, when no, your no, hobby no. is way out of control. No, okay. When it's you're not put, that bad. That's not, what a tube in your dick actually, is, a catheter, right? It's one of my favorite things. I like yeah. having it. Like, I re- you like having a tube the, in your b- dick. No. <laughs> it's not what it is, but it's the best thing that's ever happened for off-road for me. It is amazing. It goes over the top like a like a, oh, like like a, a condom. condom. Right. And then a rubber hose connected to the end of that that goes all the way down the inside of your leg, and you tape the end of the hose to the side of your shoe. So you so can you piss pee in your it. shoe. So well, is, no, next no, you, to your no, shoe. next to your shoe. It's the best thing. I so do. it's in the truck. It's Somebody, come, just peeing. Some people have done that though. They don't get the tube out of their shoe before they yep. start racing, and they actually find out they're peeing. That's another great story. Ivan Stewart, who's a do you hang your foot out the window? <laughs> and, <laughs> no, you just pee you on, the on the floor. We don't have carpet. It's all metal, aluminum down there. And there's a hole in the floor. Ah, just 
Yeah, that there's there's leaks. There's little panels and stuff. And so you just pee under the floor and just hope it goes away somewhere. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, it the does. best thing is you pull up in the pits and you start peeing. You tell your 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 mechanic, like, I think I got a leak, and he's down there sniffing it. <laughs> that, that, that's a great that story right there has happened multiple times. And the the one I was going to tell you about is Ivan Stewart's oh, an icon of the sport. Was at the start line. And warming his truck up, he's just about ready to go off the start line, and all of a sudden, underneath his truck, there's there's liquid, and one of his mechanics jumps underneath her, like, holy shit, what is that? Goes, touches his finger in it, comes up, smells it, and realizes what it is, <laughs> that Ivan's actually taking a piss. Didn't mean to ruin your story. No. But if, for your listeners, by the way, get a catheter. Go online, get a race catheter. The best things. Like, so in, a, like in a bar, I did a race. Or a UFC fight. Or a UFC fight. I did, I did this. Uh, you don't have to miss anything. Yeah, but then you get a pee on the ground. Yeah, you can pee in the bar near a drain. It's fine. I was I was at this blue water. I was at this blue water race in Arizona one time. Uh, I, yeah, it was with Greg Fouts, and we got our ass kicked. We're just putting around. We got stuck a couple times in a stock full. So we actually got to the bar, and we we felt like a dick, by the way. And I had my race suit on. We came in so late, but the bar's going, and everybody's there, and they're having a celebration. I just kept my catheter on instead of. So I'm just sitting at the bar. I'm like. I get next to somebody and just start peeing. Like, oh, okay, good. And you're done. You don't have to go. And you just pee on the ground at the bar. Yeah. You son of a bitch. I can't believe you think that's funny. How dare you? What about the person that owns that bar? You're just peeing in their establishment right on the floor. You charge me $8 for a beer. I don't give a so fuck. So what? He needs guy. to make fuck some money. <laughs> somebody has to buy the beer, bring it there. Somebody has to pay to be put the refrigerator in and turn it on. Don't feel sorry Eight for bucks? Eight bucks. Don't buy it. There so that's go. what it looks like? Black Cat. Yeah, that's one of the brands right there. Wow. That that is ridiculous. When you're in a sport when you have to have a hose taped over your dick, maybe there's a problem with that sport. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you don't uh Rob, you don't drink coffee. No. Never never when I was a kid, uh my mom and dad drank coffee. I couldn't stand the smell. Probably got to early twenties or so, realized I'd never had it and said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna do without it for, for my life. So I'm a soda guy. So you drink sodas? Yeah, that's that's so, my fix in the morning. So is that what you get your caffeine from? I mean, like when you're doing a 33-hour run, like you must do some form of stimulant to stay awake, no? Uh, it, it, the, the adrenaline that gets going in you when you're winning the race, mm-hmm. you know, you get you get into the night. Typically, our uh, ball 1000 starts at 10 o'clock, and you'll finish at 2, 3 in the morning. For me, uh, if we're doing well, about midnight when you start to get tired, usually you realize – you're in sh- you got a chance to win this race, and the adrenaline kicks in and takes you right to the finish. It's when you're having a bad day, lots of troubles, and you're pulling a 36-hour event, that, and you're not capable of winning the race. The adrenaline goes away, and then you need to throw some sodas down to keep it going or, or some energy drinks. Yeah, I would think that that would get really sketchy when you're dealing with like these crazy turns where you really have to be paying attention, and you've been up for 25 hours. That must be yeah. where the real danger lies, no? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, most likely Bud's earlier story with uh, Kenny Bartram and, and Tracy Jordan when they went off the cliff. I mean, they just got in the car, but mo- I believe they were in that car earlier that same day, right? Yep. So they the Bob Peninsula, the race course is 1,000 miles. The highway is 800 miles. Most likely they got up in the morning in Ensenada, did a couple stints in the race car, got out, but they were traveling down the race course, down the highway. And when they got back in it, it was early hours of the morning and, and yep. dusty, maybe foggy. And, yeah, and you got to remember that every turn could end your race. Maybe it may be in your life if you're if you're going too fast, but every turn. So for for me, because obviously you can tell I have an issue with paying attention. <clears throat> I I think I can't think of anything else, and that's why I always equate it to cage fighting. If you get in the cage and you start thinking about your bills and your check, and you know they got this happen and my all the bullshit, you're going to get your ass kicked. Right. Same thing down here. The only thing you have to really worry about is 
you're looking at brush, you're looking at dust, you're looking at power lines, you're looking at all that you're reading the terrain, and that's all that consumes your mind. Because mm. if you don't, you're fucked. Yeah, that's a thing that people need, right? Like I, I, I find that I gravitate towards things that require my full, complete attention in the moment. Whether it's uh, going to the rifle range and shooting a rifle. You know, like I, I took uh, my friend Duncan and Chris yesterday. We went to the rifle range. And it's one of the things that Duncan was saying. Like, when you're shooting, you don't think about anything else. Like, the moment you're pulling that trigger, your mind is free. Of all the other nonsense you got going on in your life, your mind is just concentrating on keeping the reticle, keeping that crosshair on that target, calming your nerves, and then squeezing that trigger and not moving anything else. What is it about us that we need things like that? Is it the over-complex society that we live in? I think so. I think, you know, there's with my business, your business, and all everything we're doing, there's text messages and there's fucking Facebook and Twitter, and you got to do all this bullshit, and there's so much stuff in there. And the thing that I think is different, much different than rifles, like, there's consequences in what we do. Because mm. if we don't, if you miss the shot, oh, ho hum, I missed the shot. I'm not right. putting down rifle, you don't shoot me. But yeah. But, and what we do, if you and I've done it before, I've like I've, I, you kind of get into a lull, like driving in a snowstorm. You see the snowstorm coming out, and you kind of get drive, you kind of drive yourself to a little bit of sleep. Mm-hmm. Turn comes up, you're going to go off a cliff. You're going to wreck. You're, someone's going to hit you from behind. You you know at the the worst, it's death. <laughs> the, the very easiest is you broke your car and you got to get out of there and fix it, and you just let your team down. There are teams. He's got sixty, seventy people that are on his team, and they all worked really hard to get him down there. And that pressure's on him not to fuck up. But isn't it weird that we as human beings have this strange desire to chase danger like that? That like that that managing danger becomes sort of like a drug fix we're getting. Well, you're you're a lot deeper human being than I am. But this is this goes back to you know primal human. We used to go on hunts, right? As as, as guys, we used to go on hunts. We used to like you stay here. I'm going to go on a hunt. I'm going to chase bear. I'm going to kill the buffalo. I'm going to go on. The, I'm going to go to war. I'm going to do these things. And yeah, I, I don't know what it is. You get to a certain part of your life, and you got to start chasing that. You have to have it. Like I don't need to race. I'd have to race. Well, I think there's certain human reward systems that are set up in our minds and essentially in our DNA, and that we don't fulfill them at all with the average the average everyday cubicle life traffic cubicle come home television the news bombards you with fucking nonsense from all around the world and then you go to sleep and start all over again and you're missing a lot of shit and then something comes along like this race where like you're fucking jumping around this crazy fucking truck you're going 140 miles an hour and your body's like finally something's happening yeah is no, that it? It's no. addiction. Go yeah, for, for me, absolutely. I, I mean, when I'm not racing, last year I raced 35 weekends. I raced, took the green flag. <laughs> fucking about most of the year. Yeah, I raced, I think I took the green flag over 80 times. And, What's uh, that mean? Every time, basically, I started a race. I started a race, they threw a green flag. So I raced over 80 times. Oh, okay. Last year in 35 weekends, some of these times I take four green flags. Actually, one weekend last year I took seven green flags over the weekend racing in three different trucks. Um, discussed earlier, there's multiple classes. In the short course races, there's multiple classes. So I'm addicted to it so much, I go get in any vehicle I can go race. So I race seven times. But when, there's, when, there's, when I have a weekend off, I don't know what to do with myself. So I think I need that adrenaline rush. I need to race i need to get a checker flag i need to win that's it's really what my life is about it's just now. been become yeah. part of yeah. your, it's me. your it's, system it, absolutely right? 
And yeah. Bud, you've been you've been chasing stuff like that all as long as I've known you. You're always like trying to do some crazy like charged it, up thing. It builds your character. I think as a guy, you, it build it helps you build your character. And I'm 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 addicted to drugs. My drug is endorphins and and, and adrenaline, and I have to have that. Mm. I think it was um. I forgot who said it. It might have been Reese Millen or someone like that. But they said in in, in normal life, yeah, the other guy in the cubicle sitting in New York City, he he may have like one close call in his, in his whole entire life or maybe one a year. Down in Mexico, you have nine or ten in a race. Yeah, I mean, you are close to death a few times. I mean, holy shit. Oh, fuck. I'm glad that didn't happen. And you do that for, over and yeah. over. And it's 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 scary for, you know, definitely. I've, you know, I've shot, I did a movie in the Raptor. I don't know it's, if you saw it. No, I never saw that. What you did, you did that like you you produced a film about the Ford Raptor like right when it was coming out. Is that what it was? It was like, the launch of the it. The launch yeah. of it. Yeah, it was a launch of what it. What year was that? Oh, 08. And um I, I my wife there was two movies back to back I did and and there was one time we got stuck. All the guests and I got stuck. <clears throat> you remember the scene? And I, I, I took a toe, tr- a toe strap, pulled it to the front of the thing, walked across and hooked it to my friend's truck and a some idiot in the trophy truck <laughs> wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> ran over my strap like right where i was whoa i mean because you know what you're you're in this blinding silt bed i don't think he did right. try to kill me he's blinding silt bed he knows if he slows down he just sees a hole there's a truck oh. and there's a guy i'm gonna go right between it and i'm like oh my god oh, fuck that was very close really close so I, I that was a scene in our movie and my wife is like uh yeah you're not doing that anymore <laughs> It happens quite often. Because she saw it? Oh, wow. Well, my wife, one last story. So my wife, in, in 2012, when I won my race, I called my wife. And it, it, yeah, I'm excited. I won one race. Rob's run 220 races, more than anybody in the, in the planet. I won one race. I called my wife at 5 o'clock. I said, honey, we won. I've been chasing for nine years. She said, good, you can quit. And she hung up on me. <laughs> I, got no, I got no play at all. I'm like, I was all excited. Like, I can't. Like, I want to call my mom. I want to call my wife. I want to, like, hey, Guess what? I did this. She's like, "Yeah, that's nice. You can quit now." Yeah, it's it's hard for some people to relate to that need to be charged up and do nutty things like that, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, it's all about winning championships, winning races, and uh, can't get enough of it. Well, so many people try to they try to live their life safe. You know, they try to do just the opposite. They're like looking for the softest cushion to sit on. They're looking for the easiest job. They're looking for the longest amount of time off. They're looking for the, just the, the, the cushiest existence. That's yeah. not, no, that's not living. <laughs> you got to get out there and experience life. You got to live it. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, there's that, there's like these two schools of thought when it comes to people, there's people that try to seek out, adventure and thrills and have all these wild experiences in their life and there's people that have zero desire to do that see joe and i have we have a disease we have like a dinner party disease uh, that we share like i i i can't talk to those people right because i i seek out like i i do deep sea dives on on shipwrecks and i'll try to go to this not because i think i'm a badass because i'm pushing myself I always want to push myself. I have to something, do something to train for it. So when I go to talk to people, like regular people or people that are boring as shit, I sound like an idiot and I have nothing to say to them. Because you, you, you try to do what we just did here, and Rob's got a million of them. You try to tell them an adventure story in Baja. Like I hit a jump at 120 and I jumped this or I accidentally hit this guy on a bike. and the, Like they think you're crazy. 
Yeah, there's certain people that it's just it's too it's too time consuming trying to explain your motivations behind certain things. Like I try to think of like what's the least thrilling thing that I do that I could sort of like tell people that I do. <laughs> like what do you what do you what do you do for a living? Uh, do a radio show on the internet. Like I say that. <laughs> like I'll leave out the UFC. I'll leave out stand up comedy. Like I don't want. It's just this ain't the, the bridge between us is too far yep. to. There's no, there's no room there. Some folks just they don't want any thrills. They want no thrills. They want no nothing dangerous. They want just everything to be spelled out for them. They want you know two weeks paid vacation, and they want to make sure that they can retire when they're sixty five, and they they're already ready to die. Like they've got it all set up. You betcha. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Yeah. So Rob, what's what's the best story? For Baja, because I told my crazy story, but you have the you have better stories. You've been well, there. you know, actually, I think I'm I've been honestly fortunate enough. When I started going to Baja, I went with Walker Evans and and people that had tons of experience down there, and they kind of helped minimize those stories for me. Um, you know, one of the early days racing class one single buggy, single seater, only one person in there down there after San Javier, where you're talking about earlier, had a flat tire and uh, got out to change that tire and had a you know, the motor's running in the buggy, and, and you can't hear anybody around you. There's Typically, there's no I thought I was in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, same, somebody came up, tapped me on the back of the shoulder, scared the crap out of me. Um, things like that. I, I don't, you know, crashing. Uh, I've done multiple crashes all over the place, wadding stuff up, um, breaking my collarbone. Um, the crazy stories, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't have the wild ones. The reason why is I think that I, you know, I go down there prepared. I'm there to win. Um, you know, I try... I, really minimize all that stuff and haven't had a lot of crazy stuff happen. Did you get involved in other motorsports first? Were you yeah. involved in regular racing first? Yeah, I started racing motorcycles uh, when I was 8, 9, 10 years old. Jesus got, Christ. Yeah. You were racing motorcycles as an 8-year-old. Yeah, got, got involved in doing that. You know, My dad was involved in doing off-road racing in the early 70s when I was on motorcycles. And then in, when I got turned 16 years old, we got in, into racing buggies, doing the Men 400, stuff like that. And you know, I, I quit my senior year of basketball. It was the dumbest thing I ever did. I should have played it through. But I, I fell in love with off-road racing and then, uh, you know, just made it made it my hobby there for a few years and then and got lucky enough to get picked up by uh, people like Ford Motor Company, BF Goodrich Tires, and I ended up making a career out of it. So um, I've been doing, uh, doing this for a living for over 20 years. And, and like Bud said, we've won, you know, over 200 races on BF Goodrich Tires. I'm actually about 280 total wins in off-road since 82. Over 20 championships. And- if you had to stop and you had to go and live an office job, like if someone came along and B.F. Goodrich said, look, we're taking you out of the fucking heat. It's just, it's too crazy. We're going to give you a nice cushy job. Stop. Six-figure six salary. <laughs> nice I, house. Yeah, at this point, I can't even imagine that. You know, I, I think about that, you know, every once in a while, what am I going to do when this is over? And and. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But, you know, hopefully go to work with somebody like B.F. Goodrich or, um, you know, my family owns a, a an off-road buggy shop in Vegas doing stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. It's what I know. You know, it's it's almost all I know. I mean, I have – it's my hobby. It's my job. It's well, my who's, life. Who's the oldest guy that can do it? You were saying that, that Newman did it when he was 80? Yeah, he did, he, did, he did a race when he was 80. What a fucking animal he was. <clears throat> and Ivan Man Stewart did it. I mean, he did it until in his 60s. Yeah, right? who's that? Walker Evans, Larry Raglan, some of the best of the sport. You know, had their most success in their their fifties, which I haven't got there yet. So what? I'm, I'm because hoping... you calm down. It's, yeah, it's, it's you calm down. You the, there's a thing in our race in, in racing called red mist. Red mist will get you hurt. Like Jesse James goes down there all the time. 
and he generally wads it up in the first hundred miles, talking <laughs> shit about Jesse James. Because <laughs> he just goes crazy? No, because people misunderstand the race. And, uh-huh. I mean, he, he knows more about the race than I, but they misunderstand the race. They think, they think in the first hundred miles, I got to beat yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. The analogy that I have is that when they put their helmet on, they throw their brains out the window. And, and I did that when I was young, crash a lot of stuff, ruin, ruin cars. But over time, you learn that's not how you win the race. You basically... Go as slow as you possibly can to win. You you have to keep an eye on your competition. You go through the pitch, get split times, find out how you're doing. But as long as you're you know, you're close to, to to winning the race, you're doing a good job. When you get down to the end, it's typically only you and a couple other guys that are racing for the win. All those other 20, 30 guys in your class, they're they're broke or they're having problems. How many people are racing? Like when when they say ready, set, go. How many people? Fucking 150 on all the classes, 150 to 350 depends on which race. Like the thousands, like 300 to 350 people. So vehicles, like vehicles, vehicles yeah. yeah. So 350 vehicles all together. Yep. How does how does it set? I mean, how many lanes are you dealing with here? When they start the race, <laughs> when the, when they start the race, they send one one truck or one buggy at a time, usually every thirty seconds apart. Uh-huh. We're racing the clock. We're out there okay. racing on the track at the same time. You do have to come up and bump those guys, move them out of your way if they're slower than in front of you. But um, you know, we're racing the clock, and as you get down the course. The, the bikes start usually, the bikes, the quads, the UTVs, they start about three hours in front of the, the first four-wheel vehicle, but we end up catching those guys, and that's where it becomes really sketchy, and sometimes where these, you know, Bud's story earlier when, 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 when Josh, uh, hit, the Josh hit the the bike guy. That's because the bikes can't do certain things well, some that the of them trucks can. can do? Yeah, some of them can, um, but a lot of the, especially in Mexico, a lot of the bike guys are, are, are sportsmen. Um, and when you're doing a long race like the Baja 1000, um, it becomes more uh, – the bike guys, you know, they get used up quicker. And the, the trucks, you're sitting in the seat. You have – you know, you don't have air conditioner, but you got – you know, you can have snacks. You can have food. You can have water as you're racing down the course. The bike guy, it's just him in a small light. You know, I, I talked earlier about how the lights on our trucks are like a stadium. Um, they have one light. We have 14 to 20 oh, lights on yeah. our trucks. That makes so it's sense. a lot different. Yeah, yeah and, and, fuck, that must be scary, driving a motorcycle fast Yeah, they, like they that. think of baseball stadiums behind them sometimes. Yeah, they hear a trophy <laughs> truck behind them. Some of the guys, the smart ones, oh, they freak out. They look behind them like, oh, shit, and they get off the road, and the trophy trucks go blowing by them because they don't want to get run over. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of accidents with the bike guys, and they're, they're, uh, Score is doing a lot of things to, to mitigate that at this point. They're starting them later. We're going to start them the night before and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. For, for me, there's an interesting thing for me. I was going to tell you, like, I'm known, you know me for a long, long time. I'm known kind of like kind of a crazy jackass that doesn't do this. When I'm going down the races, you, you talked about the catheter. This is an interesting thing that happens to me in my psyche. I'm wearing a fire suit. I have uh, my catheters on. I have a... Uh, Fireproof underwear. I put my helmet on. I got my knife in my pocket so I can cut my seatbelts off. Anything else happens. I start doing all this stuff. I'm like, holy shit, I'm doing something pretty serious. And I calm down. I have problems with my sponsors who hang out with me and they're like, you're, you're going to fucking wreck. You're a crazy, like, wacky idiot who's going to wreck the car. So they don't, they, they're not managing this craziness well. That's what, what it is. Like, oh, well, they don't, yeah. some people just don't, some people just can't. Like, look at all the different variables, look at all the craziness, and just settle in, okay, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, some people, and it's hard. The red mist comes in, like, it, you, you're you some, and I've get, I get caught up sometimes, too, because I had a guy pull behind me one time, a French guy, and tell me he's going to kick my ass if I don't move. I said, we'll stop the car. 
I'll stop the car and get out. I don't care. We'll stop right in the middle of the course. You're going to kick my ass? Fucking French. <laughs> fucking French. They gave us these fries, and now they got ass. Fucking... Get out of my way, or I'll kick your ass. Like, That's what fuck. he's saying to yeah, you? Yeah, on the radio. I'm like, fuck you. Get <laughs> out of the way, I'll kick your ass. Yeah, and I know what he's doing. He's freaking out, going, and he's in this race, and you just got to pace yourself. You got to be calm. It's hard not to get caught up in the beginning when guys are banging on you. Like, they're hitting you. I don't understand. You don't. Some people hit you. Hard. They I just mean, ram into you. Ram into you. To try to get you out of the way. Yeah, just, they don't even care. They don't honk. You just drive all of a sudden, boom. And it's but, like being rear into the 405 at 60 miles an hour. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, the off-road tracks are one lane. It's not like five lanes on the 405. It's one lane. So to pass that guy, you come up there. You hope he moves out of the way. Typically, he doesn't really want to. So you got to come up there and bump him. And sometimes people get out of control and they hit you really hard. They try to move you off the track. Especially if it's a jackass like these guys who have actually had a bad day. So this is the problem I have, right? So they've had a bad – I'm having a good day, right? So I'm in front of my class. He's had a bad day in a trophy truck. He's got 900 horsepower, 105 gallons of fuel. He's fucking pissed off. He's tired. He's not happy anymore. And he's trying to make up time, and then and there's me and my buggy. Going we don't want to deal with these slow guys. We, we, <laughs> right. we want to get to the. We want to get done. We want to get to the finish line. And and the dust that he's kicking up makes the trophy truck guy pissed off. And it's like you don't deserve to be here. Get out of my way. And by the time you get to him, you give him a little love. Oh, a little love. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bump. That's the bump. Oh yeah. And how many guys get fucked up because of that? I mean, it seems like that would be one of the reasons why a lot of guys wreck. Well, a lot of the cars, they're, they're built to take that. It's, it's in the DNA of off-road. That's, that's kind of how we pass. You come up there, you, you bump, bump the guy. into each other? You that's tag normal? Him, it's like, that's, you're, you know, you're, I caught you. Now you move out of the way and let me go by. What that's kind of what bumpers we do. do you guys use? They're chromoly tubing. Huge chromoly tubing. Yeah. So they're inches. designed to take yeah. a good impact. Yeah, yeah. but you, you would pull over. Notice you, I had a yeah, fucking... Exactly. <laughs> Like a 1950s dad. Like, yeah, well, give it a little of this. <laughs> but if you, if you were in the accident, if you were on the 405, if someone hit you that hard, you pull over and call the cops. Yeah. Right. And grab your neck and go, whoa, that was an impact. But oh, they're so like, yeah. it's part of the game. It's part of the game. Wow. That's crazy. That's, it seems so bizarre. That's, it just seems so crazy that part of it is just ramming into you while you're going, you know, X amount of miles an hour. Right. It's yeah. normal. Yeah, gets, it's not normal. It's normal in that world. Right. In that world, it's normal. We're, we're fucking human beings are so crazy in that way. We just find normalcy in the fact that, well, this is what happens when you do this. And then all rules, all decor, all normal rules of behavior go out the window when you're racing in a yeah. Baja and you're pissing through your fucking shoe. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a very weird. I, I could you know, t- some something in the psyche. I can tell you from me. Once, once you've figured this out and you've done the organization and you've done to your catheter, to your knife, you got your chase team, you got your field. Once you've organized a successful race campaign like he has, then regular life and business is not that hard, right? You actually you get out of a race. And it's like then then actually you sometimes get a little short with stupid people. You're like, really? You just had to go to the store and pick up a <laughs> six pack and come back. Was it that fucking hard? And because what we do. There's so many consequences. He can tell a guy, and this is actually how it goes, too. He's like, I need you to go to the PMIC station, which is the gas station in Mexico. Be there at 1 o'clock with some extra tires that I may need when I get out. And that's what you tell the guy. And it's 800 miles away. And you don't see that guy until eight hundred until you know four, 12 hours from there. And that guy is sitting there. It is logistics crazy. And you surround yourself with the people who know, have a common goal. Your logistics are all put out. I mean, if you need anything down there, you know where it's at. And you come back to the States – 
and you can't you and like you know some of your employees or someone like that can't handle like two simple instructions you're like that guy would die down in mexico well it's just that the stakes are higher the pressure is higher and everyone's tuned in everyone's tuned in everyone has a goal yeah, you want to surround yourself with the people that have been down there to Mexico. It's two-lane highways, very dangerous. There's not streetlights. Very rarely there's a yellow line dividing the center lane. And you got you got to have the right people. It's it's a very dangerous thing. It's the logi- it is. It's a logistics nightmare to to plan out a race. I, I always say to people, if I if I would spend as much effort that I do off-road racing and putting the the team together and the logistics in a regular business, I'd have a lot of money. Instead, I race a trophy truck, and I don't have much money. Oh, yeah. No, this makes UPS look like, I don't know, this is like real logistics. Yeah, but would it be any more exciting? I mean, a lot of money would it wouldn't be worth it. You know, like, there's a lot of people that have a lot of money that we know that are just miserable as fuck. They're all on antidepressants, and they're, they're always constantly in and out of relationships, and their life is a fucking holy wreck of failure and catastrophe, but they're financially successful. Because yeah. they're not challenging themselves. Yeah, I think it has to do with challenging yourself. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's something about being uncomfortable that yeah. provides you with a, a certain sense of well-being. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but... Yeah. I was hunting in Montana last year, and uh, we were talking about employees doing things. And this uh, this show, Meat Eater, has these guys that work for it. I mean, I don't know what they get paid, but I'm sure they don't get paid much. And these guys are working 24 hours a day for the six, seven days that we're there. They're sleeping on the ground. It's fucking zero degrees outside. They're huddled up in sleeping bags. They get up before everybody else because they have to start the coffee. They have to fire up the uh, the campfire and... And, you know, have a job where someone doesn't want to fucking clean the, the restroom. Someone doesn't want to take out the garbage. A normal job where you're, you show up at 9 and you leave at 5 and try getting people to work throughout the day for what this guy gets paid to be 24 hours a day in Montana, sleeping on the ground, freezing their dick off. But that's what he's doing. Like, that's what he's doing. And in that world, in you know, he becomes a part of that production. Like, this is what I'm doing now. And this guy that you're calling and saying, hey, you know, go 800 miles, get some fucking tires, meet us there. Like, that's what that guy's doing. And he's there. And he's there. Yeah, and you said, I mean, when production, like last year I have a group... <clears throat> And we did the F-150 thing. They called it my production guys. Like, you've been around production for a while. My guys were up for 54 hours straight. And oh they call themselves the 54-hour crew, right? Because oh they, they they, we filmed this whole special for ESPN, and then they were filming my whole special for Ford, and they were up for 54 hours. Not a complaint. They didn't, like, hit me for overtime. They're like, that was amazing. And you just got to surround – and I don't care about the overtime. You got to surround yourself with people. Like, I didn't know my race was going to be that effing long. I mean, we just happened to be – you know, we took 42 hours to do it. These guys do it in 19 or something like that. But you, you surround yourself with those people, and – I was going to say something about our support staff is, you know, our chase crews are amazing because we have volunteers. Like my brother comes out every year. It's something my brother and I can do now. Their chase crews are amazing because most of them are volunteers. They're going to come down there. They'll drive in dangerous roads. They'll, they won't sleep at night. They'll be up for 36 hours and they eat beef jerky. And it's cold as shit, and they are always there. It's miserable. They hate it while it's happening. Yep. But in the end, you you get home, you get rested up, and you all the great stories come out, and you love it, and you want to go back and do it again. Yep. It's that just th- that different 
level of life. It's like when you're out there doing the race, you're out there doing some wild, crazy shit like that. It's like everything's elevated. You're more tuned in. You're you're more aware of your surroundings. You're not inundated by cell phones and text messages and emails. They don't even work. Actually, I have yeah. I have one phone and maybe a sad phone. I don't even return. I'm like I'm gone. Yeah, once you go to Mexico, call going to Mexico. Yep, be down it. there. See you when I get home. <laughs> and that's part of it too, right? Part of it too is like the disconnect, unplug, unplugging, yeah. and then you know recharging your brain and yeah. being out there and the desolate surroundings, going 140 miles an hour over bumps. Well, gives there's another side of it too that gives you appreciation. Not you know I have a, I have a kid now, but I know my my brother says it too. You see you down there, you also see the people how they live. There are kids, amazing kids, and they live in um, chicken coops, right? The blue chicken yeah. coop down by. Uh, um, Ojos. They live in chicken coops. And I'm not kidding. I'm saying it's a blue chicken coop. That's what it is. And there's kids. And I actually call um, – this is my, my own little story. But I, there's, there's, a, there's um, the kids that never grow up always come out of Ojos. So there's this little road after you turn down the blue, day, the blue gate. On the right-hand side, there's a blue chicken coop. And it looks like every year for 10 years, the same kids come out. They never get older. They don't have shoes. They're smiling. We hand them stickers. I stop them, give them, I give them candy. I talk to them. He, he signs autographs. You take pictures. You go back the next year, they look the same age. Yeah. They, and, they, and they live, Joe, I'm telling you, chicken coop. I can draw it for you, right? It's a, it's a fucking chicken coop. It looks like it's, <laughs> it's a chicken coop, but it's not funny. But you appreciate, you come back, and sometimes you look at your kids and other people's kids and be like, you have no idea. Yeah. How and, easy you have it. Yeah, and then sometimes yeah. those kids and chickens will go to the dump, and that's where they, they find metal and they find scrap and they take the aluminum cans and they get their money. And they're happy too. They're happy. <laughs> they don't, they're not negative. They're no. not pissed off. They're, they have no shoes. And, and, you know, the Baja racers do a lot for the community down there. I mean, sometimes they'll build, they'll, they'll build orphanages. I mean, a lot of the Baja guys get touched by what happens down there and the people down there, and they go give back. Because you can't help but, you know – you can't help but go to these – it's a third world country in, in a lot, a lot of ways, not Cabo and stuff like that, but the places where we go. And you, you get affected by it. You get to see the other world and you do appreciate what we have. Our kids will never appreciate it because you know, they, they, they have 500 shoes. These kids have no shoes. Seriously, no shoes and they live in chicken coops with a, a sheet on the front door. <clears throat> yeah, I've been I've driven into Mexico uh, out past Tijuana um, into some really sketchy areas and – you, you get to see these people that are living in these houses that are essentially like cardboard boxes with no windows. And, you know, you see these small villages of places like that. And it really puts it into perspective. And even more weird that that's connected to the United States, which is one of the richest countries on Earth. It's just, you just drive. It's like same landmass. Yep. Just keep going. And you go from Southern California, where the fucking Kardashians live, and you see a Rolls Royce in your neighborhood. And then a couple hours yeah. drive, and then all of a sudden you're in a third world country where no yep. one has shoes. And there's a vantage point. You, you, go th- you go through the gate of Tijuana, you take a right, and you go up this hill, and there's a marsh. <clears throat> so you're in Tijuana, and you're right. You have the cardboard boxes, and you look off to your right, and there's a $20 million beach house sitting there. And you can see it. Imagine waking up every day. You're up on this hill you know, in Tijuana. No running water. Everything's happening. You look over. There's a twenty million dollar beach house. That's mind blowing. Who puts? Is it a Mexican? No, it's owned in San Diego. House? States. Yeah, yeah. So you can see San Diego. Yeah. yeah. You come up on this hill. You can see. Look off to the right. There's San Diego in twenty. There's. It's right there. Yeah, that is fucking bananas. La Jolla, like those houses in La Jolla. Yeah. We used to do the Comedy Store, and we, you know, look at La Jolla. Like, I mean, they have. 
palaces, these palaces overlooking the ocean and the most incredible affluent community. Everyone's driving around these expensive European cars and you're 20 minutes away from Tijuana. Yep. 20 minutes. That's fucking crazy. That's like from here driving to Van Nuys. You know, but except you're driving to one of the worst spots, one of the worst border towns yep. on the, earth. But the people are amazing. The people yeah. help us. They do so much for Their us. Their food's pretty fucking badass, too. Mexicans know how, to, oh, yeah. they know how to fucking throw down. <laughs> tacos. Shrimp. <laughs> Everything. Lobster. Everything, lobster yeah. tacos. Where's the lobster tacos at? Uh, lobster tacos. I forgot where it was at. Mama's. Is Mama's tacos. Mama Espinosa's. Yeah, Mama Espinosa's lobster tacos are amazing. I now, should never get to stop there. Yeah. I'm using a car. Now, do any um, Mexicans race? Absolutely. There's yeah. a lot of like people that live in Mexico that join in on this. Yep. Have absolutely. they ever won it? Oh yeah. yeah. No, actually, the very uh, Tavo Villadosa won. He's part of the Red Bull team on the 50th anniversary. No, I'm sorry, it wasn't. It was the uh, Mexican Independence. Yep. Mex- um, him and his father um, Gus won it, and they're they're they they're from. They're from Tijuana. They're from that area. Um, and there's also Juan Carlos Lopez. There's right. a lot of Mexican teams. I mean, Mexican teams get a little resources. They go race. And yep. by the way, they, they don't race trophy trucks, which they do. There's a couple trophy truck teams, but they'll race Volkswagens. They'll race everything you could possibly get. So you were talking about the French guy that wanted to kick your ass. Yeah. Is that a guy from France that came over just to race in this? Yeah. There's, about, there's usually guys from 150 countries. People from all over the world come. Japanese guys come down there. All that. I mean, everybody all over the world come to Baja 1000. It's that that much of a spectacle you you have to be i don't know, live in a cave for 800 years not to hear the baja 1000 wow and yeah, you know, people from all over the world come yeah because i've seen like uh in europe i know they do a lot of rally car races and they use uh porsches like porsche has a lot of rally cars where they right. they drive on dirt roads yep but do they have this kind of thing as well do they have, in other, like, in other countries? Yeah. No, rally's big everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. this kind of rally. Like this kind of like crazy yeah. modified truck. Well, they, uh, they do Dakar, which is a little little bit different race. It's a stage race. Dakar used to, it was um, really from Paris to Dakar. It was Perry Dakar was the name of it. And now that's in South America through Brazil and Argentina and Chile. Have you raced Dakar yet? No. Yeah, there's no, Dakar's a- famous race. I mean, it's a very famous race. And we score, Raj and I have been talking to... Saudis to try to bring a race over there. We've met with China. Roger met with China to try to bring a race over there. Um, we were going to try to expand what, what SCORE is going to do and try to bring it to other countries. I would think it would be a no-brainer for like Saudi Arabia or any of those places where all those rich oil people love to do crazy shit like drift cars. Yep. Like You've seen those videos, those drifting videos Oh yeah. from uh, Arab countries. Dubai's yep. real big right now on the sand buggies. We need to get them into off-road. Yeah, well, Roger's talking to yeah. him. We, we can get we can get him over there. They have an F one race. You know, the, ob- the obvious idea is getting all you know, get all the trophy truck teams yeah. come over there, put them on a ship, get everybody there, and go race. Yeah. What's the sand buggies? Like a, it's a lot lighter buggy than what we race in off road, and they basically just go to the sand dunes. They're specific built for sand duning. They have thousand horsepower they do wheelies up the hill down the hill and uh, over in dubai i guess that's a big thing going on right now a lot of <laughs> recreational crap. yeah not races just recreational yeah they're crap. just having fun what is it about people that uh, you know like the moment someone invented cars look at these guys are drifting why is that exciting to go sideways by the way i have no idea it's right. the feeling of being out of control. It's like exciting to most people. Out of, out of control that, that while looks in like control. That's on an open freeway almost. Yeah. No, it looks like it is. That doesn't seem like yeah. a smart move. Well, I've seen some fucking horrific crashes too. Oh, yeah. I've seen some of those uh, Arab drifting crashes where pe- cars are flipping and bodies are flying out. 
But the moment like people invented cars, like how long before the moment a car was invented before people decided to fucking race them? When the second car was built. Probably, right? No, I promise you. When the second car was built. Henry Ford based the whole industry. The, our whole industry, the first auto race was in, in Chicago, but our whole industry is based on auto racing. It, it's, there's an, it even goes past the 60s. It's back when Henry Ford was He raced. Henry Ford raced. Duesenberg raced. All these guys raced to prove out. Edelbrock, who's an aftermarket guy, but he raced. They all, the, the thing in our industry is you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. So I'm going to go out. Ford built his cars. Like, I'm going to go out and win this race. Indianapolis 500 is based on manufacturers racing. Who's got the fastest car? Yeah, I had a conversation with someone about that once where they, we were talking about planned obsolescence, like planned like that there's certain technology that's available today that you're not going to see in cell phones or televisions because they want it to be obsolete a year from now and he was trying to make the argument about automobiles that they do that that they can make the best car right and i'm like you're you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because what they're doing right now is they're racing cars and then they develop that technology based on those race cars and that trickles down into the consumer aftermarket cars or consumer cars the the corvette program is the number one to look at right so corvette is the longest longest running sports car in america longest built it's never went out of production and their race program, the, the transfer of technology. I did a whole documentary series on, on Corvette launching the C6, and the whole thing was transfer technology. If they develop a, you know, you do the R&D, which is the hard part, right, which is what Rob does for his trucks, and they start looking and poking around. You do the R&D in your race, and you make that C6 Corvette R, which is called C6 Corvette R, or now it's C7 so Corvette R. They race those teams, Pratt and Miller builds them, and then there is a, there is a Chevrolet engineer, and I know them, on the race team, looking at stuff, you know, checking camber, checking brakes, checking aerodynamics, checking everything. And that technology transfers to your car, which is why Corvette is still one of the most dominant cars out there. For 70 grand you can get, just because they, they invest in that technology in the And race. that new one is incredible. That Stingray's I mean, pretty bad. That is an incredible car. It's beautiful looking. I saw one the other day. I thought it was a Ferrari. So, same here. Yeah. I told my son, I go, check out that Ferrari. He goes, that's a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're well, right. Sorry. It looks like... Yeah, it looks like a like a European like high end top end car, and the interior's nice now too. Finally, they figured out a way to make a car that doesn't look like a piece of shit with a fucking Impala steering wheel. I mean, they used yep. to have these dog Classic. shit interiors. Same thing the Viper did. We, I did a documentary on re, um, rebuilding the Viper. Ralph Shields from uh, from SRT Motors, he did the same thing. They, they they race. They learn stuff from racing. They put it in there. But the new new Viper is amazing looking. What's what's a better car, the new Viper or the new Corvette? Depends. The price points are much different for the money. The Corvette has to be it. The price point on the Viper is one hundred ten thousand, one hundred fifteen thousand. The Corvette you could take the roof off too. That's pretty dope. The Corvette's pretty cool. Yeah, look at that thing. I mean, they fucking nailed it, man. Yeah, but they see all the it. all the hood vents, all the all the brake ducts, all that stuff is all developed from racing. It's all functional, yeah. yeah. It's not nonsense. It's not just something to look at, which uh, you know cars have had in the past. We we're at a weird time right now in automobiles because there's so much power. Great in the, time, at, a great time, but so much power in the cars you could buy on the showroom floor. Like when they have a the the Shelby uh, GT500, 660 plus horsepower, yep. right at the you know walk from the showroom. Pay the guy your money, get in a car, and you have a 660-plus horsepower car with a live rear axle. And you're stomping on the highway. What? 
And it goes, yep. I mean, it's insane. Zero to 60 in three seconds in a fucking car that you could just drive off a showroom floor. And in the 60s, it used to be, you know, 280 horsepower, 330. The Boss 302 Crazy. came out. I was like, oh, it's got 320 horsepower. That's Smoke nuts. You. Yeah, and like, and I've, I've actually driven an old 302, and I, I actually test drove the new 302 on a test track at, at Ford. It's unbelievable. Parnelli Jones said the same thing. He's like, if I, if we were racing at Laguna Seca, Parnelli and I, he's like, if I had that car, this would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the new um, 302, are you talking about the Laguna Seca one or the one that hasn't come out yet? Yeah, we are, we are, Parnelli and I were test driving the uh, Laguna Seca. That's an cr- incredible car. It's that unreal. car got overlooked a lot by people. It did. Because, uh, first of all, the stripes and everything were a little whack, like the way they were painting it. But everybody wants the bigger engine. Everybody wants the you know the 550 horsepower Shelby, now the 668 horsepower Shelby. But that 440 horsepower Laguna Seca was the perfect balance. Front end to rear end. There it is right there. Yeah, it was suspension. That's the Boss 302, right? Yeah, that's the Boss yeah. 302. No, yeah. Yep. That's the Boss 302. And then you're talking about Laguna Seca with the red and had the red lim- the red rims and the yeah, red everything. Yeah. It had the front air, yeah. um, the front spoiler, the race spoiler with yep. the pipes coming off of it. They just figured out a way to make cars that have horsepower that would be a fucking super exotic car just 20 years ago. Just 20 years ago, if you wanted to buy a car that had 400 horsepower, I mean, you're spending 100 grand. You're spending 150 grand. You know, you're buying, you know, the top of the line Porsche 911 Turbo or something like that. Or a crazy Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah, that's 300 grand. Now you're buying a fucking Mustang GT. Yep. I mean, it's bizarre. With bizarre time. It's good. It's very good. But the amount of power and responsibility that comes with having one of these, you just hand it off to some fucking 17-year-old kid. Merry, you know, Merry Christmas, you little fuck. Here's your key. Well, they've also improved. They've also improved. Um, brakes. Brakes. Traction control. Actually, I, I have also I have big issues with traction control and stuff like that because you do hand that guy a seven hundred horsepower car, and then he really then you just you un you really unfuck everything for him, right? If he gets a little squirrely, the car fixes it for yeah, him. The car Stability management, it. Yeah, it traction starts, control. It starts breaking for you. You, yeah, don't, you don't have throttle cables anymore. You got drive by wire, and you yep. you can hit wide open throttle, but the drive by wire, the brain tells you no, 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 you don't want full throttle because you're just going to spin the tires. I was racing at uh, a road Atlanta in a Corvette, a C6 Corvette, and they have this turn 11 that comes off, and your car gets airborne. And every time I get airborne, I'd land, the car would shut off. I'm like, okay, idiot, whatever you're doing, you got to stop because <laughs> that's not good. We're not supposed to have four. It would shut off. Yep, it would go in limp mode, shut off. I go, I go around the well, corner. What if you had to fucking maneuver away from something? Well, the, the engine would go into limp mode. It wouldn't. Sh- it would. It would go. It would shut down. I'd nail the throttle. There's no throttle. It would go. To, it'd go into four cylinder mode, limp mode, until I got halfway through the straight. It would go, and I couldn't shut the damn thing off. That's retarded. Yeah, that's terrible. <clears throat> but now they're they're developing them with sport mode and other modes where you can do it. You can flip a switch too on a lot of these, so yeah. you, you can. Well, the other problem is, I don't know if this is true, but what people are really worried about is that someone is going to be able to have kill switches where they could shut your car off, like remotely. Like, say if you're running from the cops or something like that. They're they're doing it already. They have that. That's OnStar. OnStar does that? Yeah, Yeah, OnStar. You can shut your car off like that. Like, Joe Rogan just stole my Cadillac. He's been driving down the road. Can you please shut it off? Bing. (laughs) Really? Yep. Can you pull that shit out? Can you unplug all that stuff? Probably, no, it's probably wired in. <laughs> it's, it's definitely wired in. But that's something you can't retroactively, you can't take like an old Corvette Stingray, like a 1970 Stingray, and just take all those modern components 
and have the same sort of experience that you would have driving a C7 Corvette, but no OnStar. No nonsense. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you could pull Can you? Yeah, but you yeah. couldn't have the traction control, right? You couldn't. Could you figure out a way to put a computer Always. and have all that? There's enough. There's enough. You know, tuners are, tuner and builders are amazing. They can have the traction control in it. Sure. Because that's what a lot of people want to do now, right? I mean, that's another show that you're doing, right? Resto mods? Resto mod, yep. Resto mods are the thing where you take an old car and you put all new suspension, new components. That's very attractive to people. Yeah, Tim Allen's got He's got a 60, 69 Camaro, um, and it's got all new C7 Corvette um, suspension, wheels, everything in it. You can Whoa. look it up. It's his new. It's green. It's beautiful. You pop the hood. You know, like some of the stuff you and cars you and I were looking at. It's unbelievable. And he drives that around? Yeah. Like you could drive it everywhere? Yeah, drive it everywhere. It starts like a Corvette. You can start it from the remote. Boom, 69 Camaro. Just start it up. It's a cool car. What, what about the interior? Does it look like a new Corvette, or is it like an old-school interior as it's well? It's an old-school interior. Wow, pull that up, man. Let's see this. Yeah, it's built Who, by uh, Bodie Stroud built it. Okay, I've heard that name before, right? BS Industry. Yep, I've told you about it. Yeah. This is a video of it here. Is this it? Yep. It's Tim Allen and Jay Leno. Hey. Wow. Jay Leno's Garage. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it really is a sleeper. Yeah. You that's crazy. That's a Corvette. Turn the volume up. Let me hear what he says to say about this. Guys. And this one here belongs to a real car guy, uh, Tim Allen. Tim, come on in, buddy. Shitty wheels. Wow. Good well, to see you. What an introduction, Jay. Yeah, sucks. Good it's to true. see you. Comedian, actor, best-selling author, and car guy. Car guy. Yeah, movie star. Yes. But most of all, car guy. This is a beautiful Camaro. You know, I've been looking at it. When it first pulled in, I went, oh, a 68 Camaro. But then I look, and there's all these subtle little changes, just the kind of things that I like. Those Take aren't me through stock this. wheels. They're way wider. Uh, the rims are, but they're the deal the was there's a kid named Tom Sherwood used to race one of these on Woodward when I was a kid. Green, this wow. color, uh, stock 327 is one of those things, just a great bullet. It ran, right. it, it ran circles around any other car. I loved that car. I loved racing with them. No console. It was the low-end one. wasn't right. the SS. So I redid that, and I always liked Smokey Eunuch, the Trans Am car that he made. And every time I saw one, I think um, one of the Elderbrock family has it now. And I'd see it race in these classic car races. I go, what? there's something about that car. Right. Not That's the fact that it's Trans Am and lowered. That's amazing. And he shaved yeah, two job. inches off the rake of the hood, took off the drip rails, which I don't have on. Oh, right. They're natural flares, which they don't have. They're not all buttoned up. A lot of my time with the ball-peen hammer, Jay, you know me. Ding, 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 <laughs> right, ding, right. ding. And then I decided in those days, in Woodward days, they had Copos. Right. Which is, what is it? You... Central office production order. You could put it on your order, and if you did the right sequence, GM would put a truck motor in cars, which at that time was a 427. Yeah. And they put 427s in very few Camaros, and now they're, what, you know, 800 grand or something. Right. But what that means is GM did not want their big engine from the Corvette in the Camaro right. because it meant people like would buy a Corvette. <laughs> but if you knew Jay the Lemo's right uh, people, you had the right his, uh, order room. form right. from the is central office yeah. production, you could that order room like Yanko or one of He's these guys. That. You could special order a car with the big engine, and that's what these had. So I changed the name to that. That's the name. It's a 427 Copo. That's just right. what I called it. And we did some great little name tags. All this kind of stuff is details that I like. Rally wheels that aren't wheels at all. They're, I mean, it's not a wheel like the old days. Disc brakes have to fit underneath. Sure, you've got to make them bigger. Were they 17s? Yes. And it, yeah, I mean, that's what I like, you know. I like it when someone does a period car. I hate it when they, all of a sudden they have 22-inch dubs on it. And this, right. It just doesn't look right Well, you me. know, this town, you hit a pothole, and I'm right. sitting on the side of the road. I've got to have a... Because I, I drive these things. Right. 
And well, that's a beautiful looking wheel. I mean, that's a custom wheel you cannot buy that was made specifically for this right. vehicle. Number one, I really wanted black wheels with hubcaps. Right. That's how Copos came. Right. They didn't come with rally wheels. So I have a set of black wheels that I want. Bumpers I put back on it. I, all the trim went back on it. Stock mirrors put right. back on it. No console, none of that stuff. Well, that's what I love. Boy, it's really a beautiful, beautiful car. See if you can nice get a job, video of the inside of it. I want to see what they did to the inside of it. If you get images. But that's, uh, that's a, a trend that a lot of people are doing now because they want to have that beautiful old school muscle car look, but they also want to have a car that, oh, that's the interior? No way. That's yeah. a real interior. That's... Yeah, Recaro seats is the only that thing. That can't different. be the interior of the car. Yeah, that's the interior of the car. It's the no same way. Body. Play, press play. Let me hear what he has to say. Well, that was low back. That can't be the actual yeah. interior. It's like a stunt interior? I have a little air freshener, too. That I, <laughs> I always like to brake pedal. says, disc brake. Because that's an image instead of the video. Well, why isn't... Flow yeah, I don't know why they did it. Hmm. But that We're is interior car. I've, I've sat in their car. That's what it looks like? Yeah. So he a, had he put like an old stupid looking steering wheel and everything? It's a stock steering wheel. Everything's Ugh. stock interior. But it's not stock handling. Like the, the, no. the rack Corv- and pinion yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, it's all, it's all C, C7 Corvette. Wow. That's the trend, right? That's it what everybody wants. Yep. And your new show, when is that? Is that airing already? Pilot on History Channel hasn't aired yet. It'll be a pilot. We're shooting the pilot right now. Bo- and you're going to start doing a bunch of different cars like that. Doing four of them, yeah. Now, how much would Tim Allen have to spend to make something like that? Three, four hundred thousand. Jesus fucking Christ. You get a goddamn brand new Corvette for 60 grand. Talk about defeating the purpose. You can get a trophy truck. Why, why spend money on that when you can buy a trophy truck? Well, that's what you're into now. You just Regular cars on flat ground is boring as shit to you. Yeah, they, they are boring as shit. You have a, wait till you go. <laughs> wait till you go for a ride. Come, Bring us back when you come back. Okay. I'll, you- I'll bring you back when I come back when we do Vegas. Um, when can people see your show? Because I know you... Uh, April 20th on CBS Sports. April 20th, CBS Sports. It's on Sunday, yeah. It's an hour long. We're doing we're doing six one-hours this year, including the Baja 1000. So all the races that Rob's racing in, including the San Felipe 250, is our first race that uh, he raced in. We'll tell you what happened. But he raced in, and it's on April 20th. And Chris from Overhauling, he is uh, is he one of the hosts? Yeah, Chris Jacobs from Overhauling is uh, one of our – Cameron Steele is another uh, compadre of his. He's one of our hosts, and he's a trophy truck racer also. Awesome. And Chris cool. Jacobs. Chris is a cool guy. Yeah, very, he's very awesome. good dude. And uh, a crazy car nut himself. There you go. There's Chris. Yep. Wow. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. So, um, uh, do you have a, a Twitter account or anything like that? Can people. Uh, yeah, Ro- at RobMac21. RobMac21. Yeah. Okay. And, Bud, do you have a Twitter account? No. 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 He says, no. I wear all black. <laughs> I wear all black. black. There'll be no Twitter. No one right, wants so, to contact me. I don't have Twitter or they Facebook. They will now. No, 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 no they will now. The French are fucking mad at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should have kicked your I ass. Kicked your you ass. did not pull over. <laughs> now you talk shit about me. <laughs> ah! All right, April 20th, CBS. Uh, thank you, guys. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Great conversation. Thank you. And Rob, thank you very much for uh, explaining us uh, your, your insane world. And, oh, we have, uh, we have one more thing for you. You're so, um, When we race, especially when I started racing... If you don't win the race, sometimes you get a little bit of money, you get a trophy, right? So we would only race, and I have a collection of them at my house. You used to get these little pins, right? Little hat pins, like a $2 hat pin that says finisher on it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all you race for. You just spent all this money, all this time to kill yourself. You've got a walls for them. <laughs> I got like 10, right? And it says finisher, and sometimes I have, you know, this. And I got a plaque that says winner. But um, they've upgraded a little bit. But generally, you run. Rob and I brought something for you, which is going to be a finisher's medal from the Baja 500. Oh, that's what it looks like? You can have it. 
Why, why would I have that? I didn't finish shit. <laughs> I, just don't, I don't deserve to have this. It's ridiculous. To, you get to remember us. That's what yeah, I'll remember you no matter what, dude. You live in my neighborhood. This is ridiculous. I can't have this. I'll leave it here, but I won't touch it. <laughs> I don't deserve to. I don't deserve to. All right. Good times, gentlemen. Rob McCachron. Bud Brutzman, and uh, April 20th, you can watch it on CBS Sports. Watch it, tune in, uh, enjoy, support. And the History Channel thing is just a pilot. Is it airing? Yeah, it'll, it'll be airing probably fourth quarter from December. All right, let us know when that's going to air, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll tune people into it. Uh, thanks to our sponsor. Thanks to Ting. Go to rogan.ting.com and uh, enjoy yourself some delicious cell phone service and thanks to uh our winner holly mac holly mac 23 at twitter i'm sure right now if we go there she has more twitter followers let's see let's see what holly mac's got now i think we left her she had 19 she's still got 19 (laughs) (laughs) popular girl (laughs) not really um maybe she just uh maybe she can't won't let anybody in maybe nobody gives a fuck uh, anyway, um, uh, and on it, onit.com. Go to O N N I T. Use the code word Rogan. Save ten uh, percent off any and all supplements. All right, uh, we got several uh, podcasts going on this week. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, and um, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Mark from uh, Great White. This is going to be pretty interesting. Um, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you all about it, but uh, he's. Um, He's actually uh, a really good pool player. Apparently, he's uh, like professional level. So uh, we're gonna play some pool, and uh, then we'll be back Friday with one of the uh, co-founders of Reddit. Uh, next week, we've got Dave Attells coming in, and uh, a few other people. Oh, and uh, Andreas Antonopoulos is gonna come back too and discuss uh, what the fuck is going on with Bitcoin because it seems to be the hot topic these days. Okay, we'll be back. We'll see you soon. Much love to everybody. Thank you very much.